Jason Josh back here with you for season two of Westworld part two, which will tackle episodes five, six, and seven today. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know last week was a, was a, a big one. Uh, we did tackle a lot of really key important parts of what happened. So Yeah, no, it's uh, this season, I guess really this whole series will throw you through a loop. It really can, especially like... If you even miss what I noticed too, and, and this is to the point where like I I think it's necessary to watch it first before you take notes because like if you're taking notes on it, mm-hmm. the time you're taking notes, you could be missing something else happening while it's going yeah, on. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's it's literally that show we were talking about where like you can't just dive in the middle. Like nah. if you try to just watch an episode, That's what we said last week, right? This isn't how I met your mother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said this isn't how I met your mother. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess for Emily, it's how I met your father. Yeah, right. <laughs> but literally, we're gonna learn a little bit more about Emily and her father uh, today. Emily, <laughs> that was on. Uh, have you ever seen that movie, The House Bunny? No, With it's, it's, it's really funny. You know what's really funny is that, like every week that you bring up like a new movie, and every single time I've just never seen it. <laughs> like I'm very oh, yeah. like I'm gonna be excited about the time that you bring up a movie that I've actually seen. <laughs> I'm gonna be very excited. <laughs> that is that is true. Yeah, I mean, I guess you've seen all the fantasy shows, but just like the songs, man, you never even heard the move in the club song, which I've stopped doing that. We've moved on to the buttons song now. Loosen up the buttons. So you, Loosen up my buttons, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That takes me back to like some good old childhood days. I would say what was that around 2007, 8? Man, 2006, 2007, 2008. Those are good times for music. Yeah. Like, By the way, Malice in the Chalice. I'll throw it early, baby. Oh, shit. Malice in the Chalice. Hey, That's what getting there. started. Wow. Threw me for a loop here. That's the yeah. first time doing it before we even get in We're going to talk about this. All right. So what would you say were kind of the biggest, like, Women pop bands because you had like the Pussycat oh, Dolls and then Fifth Child. Harmony, Destiny's Child. Destiny's Child. We were three three LW. Is that what they were? Three Little Dude, Women or whatever. That, so there was also uh, who's that that uh, group that sings "Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls." That was TLC. Yeah, TLC. TLC was yeah. big. Was that Destiny's a band or big. just that one chick though? No, it was a band. Was okay, band. gotcha. There was Dandy Kane. Remember Dandy Kane? I don't remember Danity do, Kane. Do you got a first aid kit handy? See, this is one wow. of those I've never heard. Yeah, no, Britney so, Spears, but she, she wasn't, wasn't a band. band. Yeah, like was she was just artist. a girl. Like I don't consider the Cheetah Girls like right. one of the best. I would say, man, in terms of for the culture and you know sticking with somebody for a, a long amount of time, I got. I feel it's got to be Destiny's Child. I'm yeah i'm a survivor that's on my, my yeah. favorite song is like in the club be jumping jumping oh yeah that song is so halloween dude yeah that's my good stuff man at home <laughs> club is full of balls and, and the full grown. yeah you the girl with her friends because it's 11 30 and the club is jumping jumping, jumping in. yeah <laughs> that was yeah. a good one like, that was a that was my favorite Destiny's Child song. <laughs> top three greatest girl bands, and then we'll get back to it. Gosh, uh, top three. Man, it really depends on... Mm. Destiny's Child's probably... And Malice in the yeah. Chalice. Yeah, yeah, I right? did throw Jeez, the card. Did throw the card. <laughs> yeah. My apologies. Mm. Top three girl bands. And bands, not like... Yeah. Uh, I guess pop bands, we would say. It's just tough, because remember when Diddy was making all those making the band shows? Yeah. And so that's what Danity Kane came from. Then Fifth Harmony, didn't Fifth Harmony have Camila Cabello? 
who's like the yeah they really did and like then she like yeah like broke uh, off like justin timberlake and like peace <laughs> peace uh, see i would even say ari but ari's not a band like she just crushed it like britney the yeah, real queen um, let's see jeez man Throw me for a loop. Ladies see the man at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big honestly, dirty it's song. Be, it's probably it. Destiny's Child, TLC, and... Um, mm. What do you... Like, the What's Spice, Spice Girls. Girls? Yeah, 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 the, the Spice, Spice Girls. Girls honestly, yeah, I would say that, too. Yeah. yeah. Like Baby Spice, Posh Spice. Like, yeah. Destiny, right? What was it? Tell me what you want, what you really, yeah. really want. That, dude, yeah. To this day, anytime you go anywhere and hear that, like it's just like a girl anthem. All the oh, girls in there just erupt. Like, <laughs> which zig zig? Uh, like, what does that even mean? I don't know. But what about like Gwen Stefani in this in the band? No doubt. No doubt. Is that a but girl band? That, that's you know, not really a full girl band. You're right. I saw them um, on their last reunion tour. Interesting. In high school. That's how long ago that was. <laughs> Yeah, which we're not that old, okay? We're yeah. at 28, 29. Yep. It's not that bad. For me, I mean, only, for you. you know, a third of our life. That's really Hopefully. depressing hey, when you think hey. about it. Jeez, not the man not. in black, at least. <laughs> like, he's, ooh, he's getting up there. Or James Dellis. Later, William. <laughs> Squilliam. Squilliam. <laughs> so, top three, who would you say? As I was saying, I'm, I'm probably going to go with, uh, you know, Destiny's Child 1, TLC 2, and Cheetah Girl. Not Cheetah Girl, Spice Girls. Cheetah Girls, no, I, I meant really? Spice Girls. No, I meant Spice Girls. And who so, was the middle one? You said TLC. TLC. What did TLC do again? They, they did the waterfall song. Don't go, go chase and walk. Okay. I would say I got to agree with you, Destiny's Child. Mm -hmm. you, otherwise, it's not respectful. <laughs> <laughs> not respectful at all. I mean, that, that put out two really successful solo artists. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, Beyonce, Kelly Rowland, who had that really big Kelly song. Kelly Rowland, with, uh, yeah. With uh, Nelly, like, um, what was it called? Uh dilemma yeah yeah you want to know something crazy real quick what? speaking of kelly Rowland, so in college i was in charge of this like little homecoming committee board and the lady that worked with me like i always thought she was like a janitor lady or something i don't know not putting down anyone's careers but like <laughs> she was telling me about like her daughter uh her daughter kelly was in this really popular band i'm like yeah whatever her daughter was kelly Rowland, <laughs> and like she came in one day and like i knew she looked familiar but like she walked out and they were like yeah like destiny's child but it never triggered in my brain <laughs> like oh it's that doesn't i was thinking this is like you know someone handing out promo cds yeah, yeah. on the street that's crazy yeah but uh so that really so i would say destiny's child number one I gotta. I would give it to the Spice Girls because they even had. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I keep saying. I guess that was they the same Spice song. Up Your Life. They spice Up Your Life. If you want to be my lover, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, let's see, who's another? I don't. What other? Oh, I got it. And you've never even heard of them. Who? It's a Korean band. It's the Wonder Girls. <laughs> and they uh, really? sing, "Please be my baby." I don't think they did anything after that, but you probably Jeez, never I, heard of them. I've never heard of them. The Wonder Girls. Yeah, they they are the Korean Spice Girls, almost so like really, Saw. You really got me like interested about this. I'm gonna Google real quick, like some because I, I feel like. Not that we're being disrespectful, we're just yeah, like thinking of Yeah, we're not like, thinking of it. That's the problem. Bands. Yeah. Like, seriously, top this is a good malice in the gels, baby. And you start right off the bat, yeah. bro. Like, Card like, got lit on fire by that goblet. Ooh. <laughs> it's so funny. The top three are my three in ranking on accident. Destiny's Child, TLC, and Spice Girls. TLC, <laughs> <laughs> Spice Girls. That's so yeah, crazy, that's bro. sick. That's awesome. Um, Which I was thinking TLC. Pussycat but... Dolls are on the list. Oh, there. of course. Uh, of course. Fifth Harmony is on the list. Uh... 
Okay, honestly, okay, you guys are going to get uh, some backstory about my family. My grandfather, uh, he is a retired NYPD police officer, and he married, and he's still married too, and she is, I guess we would call my step-grandmother. Uh, her name is Elizabeth Nelson. Uh, she was originally a member of the girl band, the Shangri-La. Uh, then back in the day, obviously, if you guys are over the age of 40, you will know the Shangri-La, and they were very, very popular uh, back then. Obviously, it's a little bit before our time, but um, yeah. So my my grandfather's wife, my great my my step grandmother, is one of the Shangri-La. Dude, that's awesome, dude. Yep. That's sick. Were they on the list? Yeah, they were. Dude, that's, that's sick. That's why I brought that up. But uh, yep, let me go ahead and pull it up for you there. That is awesome. And I'll I'll even show you right here. Yeah, yeah, let me see grandma, man. That's good stuff. That's awesome. So what happened to you? You're here on the podcast. Well, here's (laughs) the thing is like so again, like I said, she's my step grandmother. Gotcha. So he had married my my biological grandmother before. So my biological dad, it was his dad and his mom. So Mm -hmm. they were together, then they got divorced. Mm -hmm. And then when, you know, she left, my grandfather married the one of the same law. So and they're still married right now. So your grandfather's a baller. He's the Jim Dellis (laughs) of the Nelson family. Grandfather knows what he's doing. Um but uh let me see if I can find so that way I can show you because like she had two two sisters that were in there um that's excellent as well. Uh while you're pulling that up another one I thought of was which actually so I started off I went to a school called Etowah High School but I went there my sophomore year of college or sophomore year of high school and um, we moved going into my sophomore year but the year before was my freshman year at this place called North Cobb High School and a band that started there playing um, they played there a lot in the 80s was the Bengals and that's who I thought of was another one that's good they did the walk like an Egyptian oh nice Ay-o, yeah that was Ay-o. a good one but yeah. here you go you guys can see here on the Wikipedia so um liz yeah uh, my grandma liz um that's uh who she was so back then if you guys don't know her maiden name was weiss so elizabeth white elizabeth weiss she also went by betty weiss as one of the members of shangri-la her um se- older sister uh, mary weiss is kind of like known as the leader of that group there so but just something cool though yeah, quick like uh, history for yeah. from my uh my perspective but it is i didn't even think about it until we started talking about girl bands wild Dude, that's wild awesome. malice card <laughs> but yeah i guess i would say destiny's child pussycat dolls spice girls i can't forget the one i said the button song yeah right and what was it don't you wish your girlfriend that's was right don't you like yeah that me. was a big yeah, that was, was a, a big, big song one. bro it really was yeah. Good stuff. You want to get but, started uh, here? Tip yeah. the hat for you? Yeah, boys, boys and girls, if you guys are uh, following tipsy. us on yeah. Just Audio itself, again, we got uh, some stuff set up here in front of you. We got the True Crimes bottle of wine that we will break open and finish with you when we conclude Season 3 of Westworld in the last episode of Season 3. We'll take that down. We've got our banner here of Westworld at the bottom, the banner in the back of Westworld at the top. And we've got some awesome Funko Pops of the Man in Black, Dolores, Maeve, and Bernard. And, uh, yeah, I think it's time to give them the uh, part two of season two, which will include episodes five, six, and seven. So let's tip that hat, get the headphones on, and get it rolling. What What was it we were saying during the Game of Thrones arc? We should have made a tipsy gypsy card. Yeah, we should have made a tipsy (laughs) gypsy card. It should be a gypsy (laughs) with a cowboy hat. 
We thought, first we thought about should like be. Jasmine with like a bunch of arms like pouring out like a lamp full of should wine or something. Should look like Jasmine, yeah. but a pinup with the cowboy <laughs> That's hat. That's funny. Oh, that'd be so yeah, good. Season two, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, right. We got, Season maybe. two. Maybe. We'll see what we got <laughs> Season going Season two. On. We got to be sensitive nowadays, but yeah. Oh, all right, guys. We'll get this hats off, get the headphones on. And we will get started with you on part two of season two of Westworld because I know when we left off with you last, the, the last week, the last thing that we mentioned was the Man in Black's daughter. Yeah. Uh, uh, walking up, not walking up, riding the horse up on the horizon, going face to face with him and saying, hi, dad. And that closed the episode. Yeah. Right. Actually, sorry, that's how it was related before before we went into the malice. <laughs> when I said Emily, so in the house bunny, in order to remember names, she's like, the girl she's talking to is Emily, and she's like, Emily. So she that's she where growls that came names, trying yeah. to remember them. Got it. Yeah, and yeah, so I know that we try to keep her identity a secret up until, uh, you know, all of last week's episode for, you know, parts, uh, you know, part one of uh, season two of Westworld, which included. Uh, episode one two three and four we didn't give you her name but yes it's a man in black's daughter her name's emily and uh she ends up playing a big role in this honestly yeah and, like especially when we get you know not to get too far ahead of ourselves for next week when we finish up season two yeah uh if you watch after the credits you have to but uh that was that's just my uh last bit of information and now we're gonna jump into the uh uh, opening of episode five of season two. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've got Carl Strand with Bernard at the cradle, and they mm-hmm. see the entire slaughter that was mentioned to Carl Strand over the radio before. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they you know, the, she, her name is Mailing, the, the lady with the the rifle that mm-hmm. got everyone up there. So with the goggles on, the long dark hair, uh, Mailing, she she calls in and and lets him know the progress. She said, and, and basically she wants to know. Strand wants them to take every little article or what. And this is the important part here. What he tells her to do actually comes into play later on when we realize how Delos is getting certain informations from guests. Right. He says, I want everything down to the last Stetson. Now, for those who don't know, a Stetson is a cowboy hat. It's like an official cowboy hat. Very, very high quality. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the fact that it's a hat is really, really important going forward. I used to wear a Stetson to Cowboys, and then I got sick of wearing it because every time I did, some girl would like take my hat, <laughs> run and, off with it. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't think you understand what a Stetson <laughs> is. Yeah. They're expensive and they're easily like bendable and foldable. It's because they're they're good quality, but that's what girls do when they're trying to like talk to some guy in a cowboy you know (laughs) (laughs) you grab my head you know what's going on (laughs) yeah used to even do the whole spin move and drop it on their head back in the day (laughs) yeah anyways i don't have a malice left go (laughs) good stuff no man so the the quote that i wanted to start off with here is uh i'm saying we're pulling what we can off the recovered host control units but what's really unsettling is what's in about a third of them. And Strand asks Costa, Costa's the one that originally said that, said that first line, mm-hmm. and Strand asks him, what's that? And Costa says, nothing. And Strand replies, they've been white? And Costa responds, more like they're virgin, like they never held data to begin with. No user prints or anything. And that's not the worst of it. Have a look. And Costa hands a behavior tablet to Strand. And Strand looks at the tablet 
And the tech guy, Costa, says, we've put the fires out, but there's nothing we can recover from the cradle. The host backups have all been destroyed. Yeah. Strand says, so we've effectively lost a third of our IP in a single sweep. And now the crazy part is is that us who have finished season two right. know exactly what that third is and what happened and how they got virgin white to where mm-hmm. almost like there was no user data yeah. going to that quote unquote, you know, we'll talk about the Valley Beyond, you know, mm-hmm. coming up here yeah. shortly, right? And what's kind of cool here is as like they're they're piling up bodies and stuff, who do we see? We see Teddy's body dead on top of a pile of other yeah. dead bodies. Uh, and But as of we know right now, Teddy's still alive uh, when we go through these different timelines. Because keep in mind, this is like the present time, then there's like the two-week time period, then there's the 30 years ago time period. So in the in the two-week time period between like Ford's new narrative starting and the host rebelling, mm-hmm. like somewhere between then and now, Teddy died. And right. we don't know how. Yeah. So... Now we cut back to Maeve, back in that, like, leading up to the two weeks to present time, and she's with Hector, Armistice, Lee, Felix, and Sylvester, and they're getting attacked by the Shogun Samurai, mm-hmm. right? And Maeve, you know, they obviously, they get surrounded, they can't really go anymore, where Maeve tries to do what she's always done, right. and control them, like, she tries yeah. to give them commands, and... Like he acts like he's like doing it, yeah. But like, it doesn't it, work. It's not really, yeah. yeah. It's nothing. Like she can't, she can't control or command him. Yeah. And Lee tells her, "Don't us underestimate their code, um, because they're programmed, I guess, a little bit differently." Yeah. The program. To that point about Lee, what I have next is like Lee actually tells all of them, all the hosts, Armistice, Hector, Maeve, mm-hmm. that they all have the ability to decipher any other language they have yeah. that coding and he's like right. whether it be built deep down you guys can understand and speak any other language in this park which is going to be huge especially once we figure out what's going to start happening so then specifically to Maeve Lee says the point is the fact that these psychos didn't flip to English as soon as I opened my mouth means that the same malfunctioning shit show that's playing out in Westworld has found its way here. Yeah. That that's also why your vocal voodoo didn't work on them. You spoke the wrong language. Mm-hmm. Big moment because yeah, <laughs> we're gonna see how effective it can be when done correctly. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Honestly, exactly. this is like the first yeah. time I really see. Yeah. It's yeah, wild stuff. And then what I was telling you about what was it last week? A song starts playing as they enter the village, and it's really amazing. Like yeah. it's like the Japanese instrumental version of. I see a red door, and I want to paint it black. Yep. Paint it black, and Japanese instrumentals starts playing. And the crazy part of that moment is that it's the same exact scene. Like, move by move, play by play, (laughs) of when Hector and Armistice went and, like, attacked uh, Sweetwater and tried to get the save from the saloon that Maeve was there. So it was literally an exact replica, 100%. And I call them body doubles. Body doubles, did you? But (laughs) it's what I kind of call them. But you see, like, it's literally Hector and Armistice 
for the two move that are move. doing this. Right, because that's Musashi and like the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. And the dragon tattoo looks exactly like the girl with the snake the tattoo, snake. so this is a dragon, right? And like you even see Musashi has that scar Musashi, on his face, yeah. like has he does, like, like, like Hector, Hector had. Yeah. Like, they start to realize, like even Armistice says, she's like, I'll be damned, it's us. Yeah, <laughs> like that's right. Like, it's crazy shit. Like she even starts to realize, like they're doing and acting, and they are basically who we are, but in this new shogun world. Mm-hmm. And there was a part where Armistice's role like goes up to her for a minute, and she says, "Even a snake can become a dragon." Right. And before that, I just want to draw the comparisons here, guys, for you. I wrote it down in very simple layman's terms. Akani, Sakura, and Musashi are basically the shogun version of Maeve, Maeve's child and Hector. And then obviously yeah. the dra- the girl like the dr- girl with dragon tattoo is the human or the shogun version of the girl with the snake tattoo. And this is when they look at Lee and Lee's just sitting there. And he goes, "Yes, fine. I may have <laughs> cribbed it a little bit from Westworld. You try writing 300 stories in 3 weeks. Welcome to Shogun World." So he's been ripping off the storyline. Kind of, yeah. He's like been plagiarizing. But you can't even call it plagiarizing because it's, it's, it's his, his own, own work, work, right? But he's like, yeah, I cut some corners here. Just wanted to make it a little easier. It's on me. basically if you hit copy and paste, yeah, on the and computer. then just, just you, you hit Google Translate, copy yeah. and paste. Like, that's, what <laughs> that's what it was. That's oh, exactly this what it will was. work for Cheers, your brother. country. Cheers, yeah, brother. Man. Yeah, mouse in the chalice. Awesome. Then uh, you know, Armistice actually aids the girl in the dragon tattoo tells you know hey behind you and you know the girl turns around and kills the would-be offender right mm-hmm. uh but yeah then we get get into the sh- like the actual i don't know what they call it the brothel saloon like the, the that's shogun what we called it as the we brothel call it, like, saloon like you know the, of the shogun version though but i guess aid- the shogun version is more like a I almost felt like it, like shogun things need to have like a sauna in them. Yeah, like like, <laughs> yeah. like, a, like a meditation yeah. yoga temple type yoga thing. <laughs> yeah, stuff. it was interesting. But yeah, Maeve kills Sakura's would-be kidnapper, and like they agreed to like have a civilized conversation, because like, like Akane re- like realizes, hey, like I think we have a lot in common. Well, shocker, you're the fucking Japanese version. Yeah, of exactly. <laughs> like, so then it cuts us over to Dolores and Teddy when they arrive in Sweetwater. They see the carnage and the dead bodies litter the ground. Like, like, just, ransacked. <laughs> like all gone. <laughs> Slaughtered, yeah. And uh, Dolores orders the train to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Now, this is important because the train is what carries the guests from the Mesa to the park. So if they fix that, what do they have? They have access yeah. to the Mesa. So yeah, really important there. And this is something that's kind of sad. And I wrote down here. Clementine kind of goes into the mm-hmm. Sweetwater Brothel yeah. Saloon, and she sees her replacement, right? There's a host that have replacement mm-hmm. hosts for when they are get de- decommissioned, right? Right. So Clementine sees her replacement and is actually mouthing the words that her replacement's saying because That's they're right. her own yeah. they're her own words. Like, imagine like seeing that. Like, I remember Teddy was even like, "This is our home," you know, and and Dolores was like, "When she sees what's going on, this is not our home." Like, things are different here. Then they just command... She didn't give a shit about Clementine. She's like, go back with the others. Yeah. You know, I think she, like, part of her felt bad that, you know, she was... She could see, like, she had tears in her eyes. Like, she was so shocked and, like, heartbroken. Like, she was realizing that she was replaced and that everything that was coded to her was given to another host. And 
that's why she was mouthing along the words because she she was that character she was that role yeah um and then it kind of <laughs> takes us back to uh uh Maeve and you know the company watching like Akane dance and like they're sitting and meditating like cross-legged in that room very <laughs> strange right yeah like, <laughs> This answers your question now because I do have a quote here. That's kind of funny. Maeve goes, "You plagiarized our stories and identities," and Lee said, "It's not plagiarism; it's supply and demand." <laughs> That's great. And it's funny because, like, as Lee goes in and explains more of that to Maeve, mm-hmm. he lets him know that, like, you know, dishonoring this culture could lead, like, could be homicidal. Like, they, they, they could lead these people to kill you because. In Sweetwater, if you disrespect someone, it's not the same. Like Japanese culture is very well renowned for respect and right. honor and dignity, and so to dishonor is like a great like it's it's something that you don't really do. Like that's like so they, they she like Lee's worried that they're gonna say or do the wrong thing, dishonor them, and then they're gonna fucking kill them. It reminds me of Mulan, like the cartoon with Mushu, where he's like dishonor on your family, dishonor <laughs> your whole house. <laughs> kind of right. So great, and. uh and Lee is calling the story. He's like, "This one's called Army Blood." <laughs> right. To this point, like we were talking about last week, like Lee just hasn't haven't got it out of his head yet that this programming is not Off. foolproof or like you know it's it's no longer what he thinks it is entirely. Anyways, yeah. Um. So this this like ambassador comes in to speak on behalf of the shogun, and he says, like, "You know, the shogun wishes to be entertained by Sakura." And Akane is like Sakura's. I wouldn't say like they're not really. It's not really her mother because remember she found Sakura, and mm-hmm. like you know brought her into the house and stuff. So it's not like it's her actual biological daughter. Not that any of them. Like they're all hosts. It's not that they ever gave birth to anyone. Regardless, but either way, Akane feels some sort of similarity. Like, I would say. Like I guess. she feels responsible for Sakura and like like she mm-hmm. needs to care for her and protect her. Right. Right. And so she basically uh, declines the shogun's offer. Like like tells him no she's not for sale and uh you know they they start haggling and like the ambassador starts yelling at her and then lee is telling to your, to your point telling mave that like you know this is all like this is all a ruse like you know she has no choice but to give up sakura yeah. and he's wrong again yeah he's fucking wrong again. he does not understand that it's not what he's programmed it's not entirely what he's programmed he's like so. that wasn't supposed to happen yeah and then, <laughs> this is why actually that's like lee has been made to look stupid time and time again how many times has he said something that was supposed to happen according to storyline or according to code and it hasn't happened mm-hmm. right so and then i love what maids mave said because she said it looks like someone had a choice because it goes to show like they're breaking away from this code and they can make their own decisions mm-hmm. now so it's not just i mean i guess technically they're still all in ford's narrative right but they're having their own choices which is yeah it's like you free know, will not to give anything away <laughs> like yeah. yeah interesting for sure um, and then ninjas well first before the <laughs> yeah, ninjas okay. i do have because i think this is an important part especially with there being something there lee actually asserts himself and suggests that they go to snow lake mm-hmm. the reason why that's important is number one it's sakura's cornerstone and number two there's an access point there for them to get the fuck out of there yeah that's so true. that's why mm-hmm. like, i think that was super important now yeah 
the ninjas appear in the night and attack. <laughs> ninjas, and, oh fucking hell! Yeah, that's what Lee said. Yeah. You know, and honestly, like the, there was three people there doing the majority of the defending. Right? It was Maeve, Hector, and Musashi. They were like doing their shit. Lee Musashi just, does a shit, man. Lee's done. Yeah, Lee's like, I ain't trying to do none of that. Um, but you know, Maeve realized, you know, because remember when Lee told Maeve that, hey, you used the wrong language. So Maeve commands one of the ninjas in Japanese to turn his weapon on his ally and he does so she's regained control over the host now she knows she's got to speak their language right and this is all well and good up until a ninja is about to kill Maeve and is choking her out so she can't actually speak yeah (laughs) and why that's important is as they're choking her out she learns a new ability telepathic mind control so now she can command them without speaking because in her mind, she command them whispering, like, that was weird, like, you know, things you hear in your head, commanded them, that guy, to impale himself on the spear yeah. on the wall. So, and she can, now can control hosts without even speaking. And just so y'all can picture this, guys, this isn't, like, one or two guys. Like, this is, like, a fucking army. Like, Hector, like is killing people and then you had musashi that's like sliced and diced like four guys doing his thing yeah they were like overtaking this entire house yeah you and your dishonor on your entire house (laughs) on your entire house it was not like one or two people like this was an army of these things yeah 100 percent. and so the ninjas end up kidnapping sakura Mm -hmm. right and then not only did they get away with sakura Shogun's actually actual army, the samurai army, marches into the town. So the ninjas disappear. Ninjas are gone. You know, most of them were killed. A couple of them got away with Sakura. But now the Shogun's samurai army marches right in there. And this is this is big shit because yeah. I they, love when did you <laughs> I do wanna mention this because it's funny. Hector was standing in front of the army. And they're talking about, like, who the bad guys are, basically. And he's like, I don't need to know the language to know a fucking asshole when I see one. <laughs> it's like, I just thought it was so Hector. That's the first sure Hector moment. It was great. Um, before that happens, you know, the captain, his name's Tanaka. He demands Akane come out. And so Maeve, she's like, can you buy us some time asking Musashi? So Hector, Musashi, and Armistice try and fight that complete samurai yeah. army by themselves by themselves but they're quickly beaten <laughs> kick up <laughs> and, a road you know, for me <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. but it, but that does it does allow Maeve, Akane, uh, Felix, Sylvester and Lee to escape uh, then that what that does is it cuts us over from that when they've got basically their their like foot pinned on Hector they've got Musashi like cornered and Armistice down and they we see Maeve and the rest of them escape it cuts us back over to Teddy Right, and Teddy tries to convince Dolores to run away with him and leave the fighting behind. Yeah. Do you have any special quotes on that? Yeah, I, do uh, I actually want to read this because I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Because it shows, you know, you would think this is where I mean Dolores is, she's almost worse than Danny, like you're saying, because she has no negotiation at all like you would think the person she cares about the most she would actually listen to what he has to say yeah but it really is her way or the highway right now um so what happens is you know they go back to uh where they used to watch the herd like kind of where we were in season one um and then you know where they used to always talk about their lives together and they said someday and dolores said 
you and I spent a lot of time here uh, watching the herd, talking about making a life together. Someday. Teddy. That was Teddy. Loris. I guess I just wanted to see it one last time. Teddy, what if someday is right now? So he's like really confessing like how much he really cares about her. Dolores, what are you talking about, Teddy? There's a fight coming, Dolores. It's gonna be one that's gonna change us in ways we can't even begin to predict. And I'm still working up to what I really am. And if that means I'm free, then we both are. Free to walk away. Now you can't tell me that someone out there in all this beauty, there isn't a spot for us. Dolores says, I ever tell you about the year we almost lost the herd? It's blue tongue. Quarantined the cows that had it. But it kept spreading all the same. Daddy finally figured out that it wasn't spreading from cow to cow. It was the flies that carried it. He worried over it all night. How do you stop a sickness like that? One with wings, say it was you? What would you do, Teddy? Teddy says, I'd give him shelter, house the weeks, and the barn, out of the air, away from the flies, until it passed. You're a kind man. Daddy burned him. The weak and the infected made a pyre that went on for days, and it stank. But the flies hate smoke. The herd lived. I'll think about what you said. It just goes to show she didn't give a shit about what he just said. Like, this is a guy that's pouring out his love for her, saying, I will risk all this for you, but let's do this so that we can have a future together. And it's not, it's almost not even about her making a future for herself. She is doing this to make a statement to overtake what she believes should rightfully be theirs. Not even so much rightfully be theirs, but at least teach the humans a lesson. Right, exactly. Right? It's revenge is what it is. For sure. And, yeah, that, that takes everything I had to say out of that scene. And the next thing I've got, <laughs> you know, it takes, uh, it brings us back to Lee. And he's trying to convince Maeve to leave. He still hasn't gotten it through his head that this is not an all pre code anymore. Like, he's still trying. Like, he thinks that, you know, the code's still in there and that they've got to follow what they've programmed. He has not fully understood that that is not as w what is happening anymore. There may be fragments of speeches and some, like, behavior that's stuck with them because of the programming that was, like, in place initially. But that's no longer the main motive or the main drive for these hosts. Like, they are acting on their own free will. Right. So, it was, uh, I, I wrote that there. And then we see the QA response team dead and tied to trees with baskets over their head. Yeah. That, that was, was weird, insane. man. Yeah. That was very, very strange. And while, like, you know, Lee basically takes his moment to go relieve himself or to go take a piss, right? And while he's doing that, he actually grabs a walkie-talkie radio from one of the dead... <laughs> one of the sly. Yeah, a little sly bastard, right? Yeah. Grabs that, pulls it right out of the pocket, carries it with him. And uh, then they come before the Shogun, right? This is this comes back, you know, to, to Maeve and Akane, and, like, they come up before, mm -hmm. like, they get out of that, like, basket. They approach the Shogun, they get on their knees, and, you know, Maeve kind of offers the Shogun that dragon statue as a tribute and the the shogun kind of disrespects him but 
the reason is is because the the shogun's not all there. Right. We start to see you almost like similar to Bernard, and similar to yeah, yeah he's exactly like, like he's leaking like cortical fluid from his ear, and like, he's like laughing. He's an asshole. Yeah. He demands exactly. them to dance, do the dirty dance. <laughs> and even before that, though, this is another important part here when we realize like Maeve's abilities and things of that nature. Is the Diamos? They 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 pull up their like bandanas and their head mm-hmm. coverings, and you realize that their ears are butchered, so they couldn't hear. They can't hear what he That's calls the point. witch. Yeah. He calls like the witch like the, you know the casting spells, right? So now Maeve can't control them, mm-hmm. right? Verbally, yeah. What it's shit look like? Yeah, <laughs> your secret weapon ain't working here, mommy. <laughs> and it's Mama funny. Sita. Talk about secret weapon. Akane reveals herself and then makes an agreement to dance for the Shogun in exchange for Sakura. Hold me closer, tiny, tiny dancer. dancer. <laughs> Count the headlights on the highway. Dude, he was a sicko. <laughs> yeah, he was. But like, was he a sicko because? That was his nature, or it was because like he was getting fucked up from the cortical fluid leaking from his brain. That's I a, don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, that that's it was weird though. <laughs> it was very strange. It was a little strange. But yeah. then it cuts us back to Dolores and she talks to Angela and well she goes, you know, the train will be ready by morning. And Teddy says, To go where? And Angela brings the captive, you know, forward and, and says tell them and the captive says the mesa right mm-hmm. so dolores is telling that teddy's like well where the heck are we going and then this the next moment i thought that was important that i wrote down was when teddy actually tells dolores like where we go we go eyes open together so this is the first time Teddy and Dolores like get intimate with each other. Like, <laughs> loosen <laughs> up my buttons, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. So, but this is the one time like I would say it is like kind of like making love because Teddy and Dolores have that kind of innocent type of puppy love that grew into something deeper. Because as of right now, but the thing is, is like Dolores is no longer like <laughs> kind like- of who she was originally when Teddy came across her but remember because she even tells him like i was wondering you know yeah if i had feelings for you and the feelings are true like i'm actually gonna bring that up here just in a second but yeah i I don't know i think it's more like which is this foreshadowing we're not gonna give anything away but i think it's like almost like it have you ever seen wolf of wall street at all i got my hand shaking guys I'm gonna play oh, the great debate card. Dirty. I'm gonna play big the dirty. Great Take a little swig with me. The oh, great yeah. debate. The great debate. I like that one. We should sing that more often. That's good. I just probably came off my top of my head, dude. <laughs> Chasing Josh the musical. <laughs> right. Yeah, bro. And this, we're gonna put notes to the side, putting that down here. My question to you. And this is a crazy time to play this card. And I know we kind of interrupted immediately, but to me this is important. Outside, we're not including Robert Ford. Okay. Outside of Robert Ford, he's excluded. Who is the smartest character in Westworld? Man, that's difficult. Uh, You want me to go first? Yeah, <laughs> I want to see your answer. I want to see you back it up with some uh, some facts and what you think. 
Because there's three I have in my head, and that's the tough part. Actually, okay. I would say the problem is like facts I want to back it up with. I can't reveal anything. So I'm going to do it as best as I can. I say, oh, uh, man. Very difficult. I, uh, okay. I, but this is going to sound very strange when I say this because actually I had a rank to last. But now that I'm rethinking things, I'm going to back this up with facts, and you're not going to like my answer because it's someone you're not even thinking of. I would say Angela. Angela. Okay. And here's... Uh, Don't hate it. The reason why. Man, I wish I had a pen to focus my thoughts. I'm good. Okay, so I was originally thinking, you know, here's my top kind of ones I was considering, right? Of course, you have Maeve, Dolores, and Bernard. Here's why. Okay, so... For things we'll figure out in the future in regards to consciousness. So at first I was really thinking about making Bernard first in this situation. Um, because he is actually very good at putting things together as far as consciousness and perspective. Um, and controlling, I guess you can say the stakes, technically. Um, as far as power and actually intellectual uh able to control the situation however for things we'll find out in the future so as you know dolores can control her own consciousness right so for things we'll figure out in the future that you'll find out not giving anything away we find out dolores is very smart at controlling the situation as well um as far as even questioning her own reality as far as what is reality which bernard is very good at so because of that for things we'll find out in the future i rank dolores above bernard so at first i was like maybe dolores is number one then you question mave right so mave gets a power in the future which you think only robert ford can do but then you start questioning things and we know angela has done that same power before and even though which things we'll talk about in the future this is so hard because there's so many things i'm not allowed to say um or that i don't want to say because i don't want to give anything away even with how much ford cares for mave angela has always been the host even though she wasn't the first like dolores from the beginning that's been out in front of the whole situation and she has been put in that moment and she has been able to control herself in situations just like she was put one-on-one -on -one with logan and able to make i call it that cell but and yes i think she has other powers than just seduction i think that's what people overthink I think people um, don't give her enough credit for. I think they think, oh, she's just the hot host. No. Like, the reason Ford put her in these situations was because she knew how to handle herself. Not only did she win over Logan, of course, she basically saves the day at kind of one point later down the road, but even to the point of 
Dolores even got beaten down by the man in black, which we learned is William in season one. Think about it. She introduced William to the park and then he chose like the white hat. She was so close to even winning William over and she's gone toe to toe face to face with the man in black. So if you think about everyone she's faced and the intellectual power they're trusting her with, we haven't seen a lot of her, but because of the power she has that she's already displayed by being able to stop everything, just like Ford did with Teresa, which no one else has been able to do, which we'll talk about later, and the fact that she's been put in charge of those positions of persuading people and winning people over, she understands her consciousness already, which Dolores and Bernard have been trying to figure out their own consciousness the entire time. So I would rank her first because of that. I'd say Angela is the smartest. Interesting. Your turn. Yeah, obviously, I think we can all agree, or at least I don't know if there's an argument to it. I think Ford is the most intellectual, but we took him out of the situation. Yeah, for that reason. Because we like Ford. Yeah, it's an easy one. For me... My answer is going to probably catch a lot of people off guard, but I've got some reasons on why I believe so. I think Elsie's the smartest. I think Elsie's the smartest, really? number one. I didn't see that coming. Right. Number one, she's not a host. Nothing was programmed in her. Everything she's figured out, she's figured out on her own. She's never been in any sort of management position with Delos or the company. So remember, like she's been kept in the dark this entire time since we've met her in season one. She's trying to remember. She was trying to question Bernard, like, "What is the shit that I'm fucking finding?" And mm-hmm. no one's giving her any answers. She's able to piece together something that Lee wasn't able to do. Remember when, you know, like Teresa's like, "Lee, you know, you you know, there's something at play here, larger than what's that, but you don't know what it is. So that makes your help to me like fuck all. Like it doesn't matter, right? Right. So like right. Lee can't figure it out. Bernard's a host under Ford's control. So how intellectual is Bernard really? At the end of the day, he's someone that was built by someone else who was smart, like Ford put him together Arnold put him together right so Elsie is a human without any special abilities and she's figuring this shit out and decoding a bunch of stuff that's going on right now after she was taken captive and held in a fucking cave for however long like she could have just said I'm fucking done with this and went to the mainland and like, get <laughs> right. the fuck out of Dodge Yeah. but she's a regular human with no with yeah. no access to any sort of higher up like levels like she doesn't have like like that you know she can't press her thumb against the room and get in there you know what I mean she's figured everything out for herself and she's been able to save Bernard. Bernard could be done if it wasn't for Elsie right now. He'd be terminally shut down if it mm-hmm. wasn't for Elsie. And she brought him back online. She figured out what's going on in Westworld on her own. I do have to say <laughs> like, that. Like, Elsie as far as things. is 100% to me, outside of Ford, the smartest individual in Westworld. Because she's had no one program a damn thing into her. Like Angela, Maeve, Bernard... Dolores, they're all hosts. They've all been programmed and created by someone of high intellect, either being Arnold or Robert Ford, right? So they're all reflections of either one of those two, building along with improvisation and stuff they learned along the way, which is great. But from just where she's come from and who she is as a human with no outside influence, Elsie, to me, is the smartest character in Westworld. Can I debate that real quick? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my issue with that. because, And actually, i got to give you props because Elsie was one I wasn't even considering. And I think part of that is because we, she's kind of got the screw into the deal <laughs> on a lot of times. 
But yeah, I will say, so I'll give you props for a couple of things, and then I'm going to debate it with one big reason here. Mm-hmm. Um, so props, I will say, you know, especially what we'll find out later, like how she's able to decipher code. Even going back into season one, like when we were talking about she kissed Clementine, I think that was more of even to almost what we're seeing now, almost trying to see if a host is like a person like she found out it was teresa before we were supposed to know exactly it was teresa. right she found out that's why dude you know how smart and capable you have to be for ford mm-hmm. to be like we've got to take her the fuck out for now yes like you know yes. what i mean even yeah. even later on in this season too ford's like dude we can't need, we don't need her suspicions like she knows we need to get the fuck out of here oh yeah no like, it's great that's what i'm saying <laughs> like even ford recognizes her as like a threat like oh yeah we need to get the no fuck. definitely like, listen like, Elsie, she's like he had her choke her out in season one and put her away because like he didn't want to deal with her because like she's a threat she's so fucking smart but even what like happens towards the end of season <laughs> two <laughs> like see, that's how much ford saw her as that now with that being said here is my debate to that though which this is why like it's difficult because i can't give anything away but her power of persuasion sucks like it really does but like power she of persuasion can't... isn't nearly intellect more than just like your natural personality but things she does like you would think like for instance angela right like that's why that was my debate like she could have always approached logan like when she i don't want to say making a sale like a different way like yes she uses the seduction thing as kind of like her aid towards the end but that whole cell now i think like what happens in season two when she kind of saves the day at one part was definitely the more seduction but i think this part here like with logan was more of like actually more getting to the nitty gritty and talking to him because there was a part where he almost walked out now going into elsie my issue is like what goes down the road here which we'll talk about next week we'll talk about it next week where she gets the shaft into the deal I guess, there's a nicer way to say it the the <laughs> bad end of the deal yeah not That's like right. a literal it's shaft true. but like uh, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> but which I, it sucks because like i always want to see so much more of her in every season you know um but there's things she could have approached and thought more methodically about versus it ending up in outcomes the way it did. You see what I'm saying? Sure. I, I mean, I get what you're saying on that part, but I, the question was, like, who's the smartest character outside of Ford in Westworld? Like, smart, you know, I guess it, it, you can take that as many ways as you want, but she was someone, you know, to my argument against Angela or Maeve or Bernard is like, they were all programmed to be that way. They were created by a greater mind. They wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for a, you know, someone else making them. Elsie is outsmarting all these motherfuckers with no special access. She's not a boss. She's mm-hmm. not in management. She's doing all the shit on her own, figuring it out while she's on the fly after being trapped in a fucking cave for okay, who knows yeah. how damn long. She has been the cave like, woman for like, a while. Yeah, like, you know, in, in terms of, like, yes, could she have, like, could her people skills be improved? Yeah, sure, <laughs> but most people in those positions don't have good people skills. That's why you have, okay. like, a marker. Okay, I can you see You have someone, that. like, you yeah. know, going face-to-face and talking to the people because, you know, there's people people and then there's people who are good at behind the scenes shit and she's one of those great behind the scenes shit people and because she's really really fucking intelligent so but then this goes into i'm sorry no no go go for it this is why this is that debate card because (laughs) then this goes into later which we won't get into because logan has some big roles here (laughs) 
but um i guess or that will say <laughs> um you know who's smarter human or host that's what you got to ask yourself and it's tough to debate that because who created the hosts humans you know but at yeah. the same time humans created hosts without the same limitations and defects that humans have so they can act fully logical and not on emotion you know so it is one of those great debates you know you know that is a great debate like i i honestly like you would convince me if it wasn't for that situation where logan is in another scene mm. that we're talking about in the future and that's why it's like it kind of sucks because i can't like bring that up yeah, right. but i i'm on the fence about this one but i think it's a great debate like i would definitely rank elsie in my top five it's easily definitely one of the, yeah, yeah it's definitely something worth the thing but yeah the great debate is stuff. burned and we will get back through to the but i think episodes. we both agree our top ones are very smart people like yeah it's, the top one if we included ford 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 would be number oh one yeah yeah the whole easily, way. Like, yeah. it's not but we, Ford, just, we the, wanted to do one that didn't those two are pawns yeah, right? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah good stuff that's great 100 mm-hmm. percent, man so what do we got next what mave and akane back in the shogun world and akane oh wait uh we're back with uh teddy and dolores aren't we yes mm-hmm. yes go into that because uh teddy is uh talking to dolores and he's like i'm not some stranger oh no we already did this where they had the loose yeah we're gonna get into that <laughs> so yeah this is when we were talking about with teddy and dolores when they like make love for the first time but i was saying going back to where we were when i asked you if you watched wolf on wall street have you seen that no Okay, Wolf on Wall Street. There's this scene where because like I want to watch it, mm-hmm. but it's such a long movie. It's like a three yeah. plus hour long, so it's like yeah. tough for me to be like, yeah, dude, I'm gonna sit down and watch this. Like, if you it's guys know what movie, I do yeah. on a day to day basis, I work a full time job from like six a.m. to four p.m. and then like I do this on the side. Then yeah. I also want to have a life outside of that. So like it's hard yeah. for me to like sit down and be like, you know what, I'm gonna take three hours to watch <laughs> yeah. this show. Which that's like movie. one of our episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's a scene, there's another way to relate this, but basically uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is stressed out and Margot Robbie knows she's going to divorce him. Uh, So she's like, screw me for the last time. So this is my question here. Oh, great debate card. Oh, back with to back the with Drake. Gods of the Dragon Ball Z underworld. <laughs> the power levels open nine thousand. Remember, remember, like it, like in Dragon Ball Z, like when they were dead, they would go to like that weird afterworld with King Kai and shit. And, like, oh yeah, King Yama would be. Like, <laughs> they had like, the weird like like halo around their heads. I feel like before we ever play this card, for those of y'all that can see it visually, I feel like we should be like ah ah. Dude, yeah, just power up for a whole episode. No, oh, yeah, crazy. <laughs> but here's my thing. Because what we know is about to happen that they don't know is about to happen. Is this actual love or is this like... Between who? I know it's... I think it's love for Teddy. I'm talking about for Dolores. Is this actual love or is this like... In the words of Margot Robbie to Leonardo DiCaprio in a nice way her actual quote was f me for the last time um you see what i'm saying i do think that it is love solely for the fact uh i can't bring it up fully right now but how season two ends and what she decides to do um for him 
uh, you know, if she didn't care or have any sort of love or affection, things could have been left the way they were. She made it a point to mm-hmm. um, place Teddy in a certain, you know. I do agree so. with that because that's my big question is he's basically been pouring out his heart to her. Like, and she want, and she even says it was true. Like she moving again, that could just be words, you know, mm-hmm. to you know, placate, yeah. placate him. But I would say that too. But this, this moment, I would say, is this moment is just like loosen up your buttons, or is it like, hey, I actually give a shit about you right now? I think it's an actual I give a shit about you because I think she knew what she was going to have to do, mm-hmm. and she wanted to appreciate him for who he was before she had to do it that's what i think it was now what's sad is the person that's doing this the other party teddy like he thinks this is something just because you know this is his like lucky night because like they're so in love with each other and this is like this is like you found your lottery ticket (laughs) and someone took your lottery ticket and burned that shit in front of you bro Kinda. I mean, he still she got. Did, he still got out of it though. That, I don't know about that. He took like, his coupon happened, for the free back rub, cashed it in, and she tore that shit up in front of him. Great debate card. Off to the shadow realm. Let's do it. <laughs> Good shit, man. So the next thing I got is you know, we go back to like uh, Connie and Sakura, and like we 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 see that Sakura has like a cherry blossom tree. Was it like branded like in her arm, or was it a tattoo? It almost looked like someone like when you put like a hot poker into a fire with like a design, and you press it against someone's skin. Yeah, it burns that design into them. And it was. Yeah. Was it was it a was it a tattoo or was it really like a branding? I thought it was a tattoo because it, it looked tattoo? like ink. Okay. Like almost like I I couldn't tell. I truly couldn't tell from the screen if it was ink or if it was like you know a branding of that. Yeah. Because remember, because it wasn't colorful. It was a like it was just its own. Because it wasn't scarred. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was like it. I it was it was almost like. But like you back know, like then in that Chinese era, in writing that era, and stuff. But like, Japanese, sorry. Right, but like in that era, like where do they get tattoos from? Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like they, they, they did that from the Japanese era. So like I, th- I might have, I think it was a branding, dude. You know, Native Americans, what they used to do was they would like crush up food and make it die, and they would point like um, get like the backs of porcupines, and they would attach it to the very end of like a handle. Like they would get like a tree branch. I actually learned this in school, ironic. I'm filled with a lot of weird shit in my <laughs> head. Um, and they would, like, smash it, like, against you over and over and over. And what they would do is, they're like, worse than any tattoo you would ever get nowadays. And they would do it so many times, like, repetitive for days, where it basically, like, stains. It didn't, like, actually, like, go into your blood. But what it would do is it would basically stain your skin with the food dye. But it would fill your skin with holes. So, like, that can never be moved. And that's how, like, Native Americans back in, like, what, the 14, the 1600s would, like, tattoo people. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I have not, I've got no strong opinion if I believe it was a branding or a tattoo. But regardless, there there was a mark placed on Sakura's back and it was a cherry mm-hmm. blossom tree. And what's important about this is Akane gives Sakura, like, the same speech that Maeve once gave about the new world and being who you want. But it was, like, the polite version. Like, instead of being over the fuck you want, like, Maeve telling the yeah, people like that. Like, yeah. It was, like, the more honorable Japanese way. And, he, and, like, Maeve even, like, finished that 
yeah. quote for her. Like so. Do you mind if I say it? Do it. I got it right here. Do it. Yeah, I call her Sakura. How do you say it? Sakura. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, Sakura said, um, "Don't worry, great things lie ahead of us." Well, Kane said that to, to Sakura. Gotcha. To yeah. Sakura. Yeah. yeah. And um, when I yeah, so uh, I called her Madame Mariposa because no. I Akane, didn't. Akane, yeah, yeah. The, which is Maeve's body double. Yes, I guess it's like I the Shogun version of Maeve. Yeah. yeah. Um, she says, "Don't worry, great things we." Uh, great things lie ahead for us. When I was a little girl, I was plagued by a voice that said, don't, don't stare, don't touch, don't do anything you might regret. So I ran away across the narrow sea. And when I sat, set foot on those shores, I heard the same voice. And do you know what it said? It said, there's the new world. And in this world, and Maeve says it, you can be whoever you want. But so she does it yeah. in the polite version because remember yeah, back in Westworld version, she says yeah. you can be where the fuck you want. Yeah, and it's uh, like you yeah, notice I didn't say want. the f word. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know I think I convinced you to watch this in subtitles and subtitles. Yeah, yeah the, exactly I do it. that now because yeah. you pick up on so much more. Yeah. Too. Um. But yeah, it's it's like reliving that moment. Really, it's just interesting because. Maeve chose the. It's like you have the sauna, and then you had the dirty whorehouse. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, good it's versus true. evil. Not good versus evil. It's like the dirty stepchild. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> okay, I'll let you take it away. <laughs> well, the next thing I have here is that you know Maeve, you know, is telling Akane about her own daughter, and she starts doing her mind control stuff, mm-hmm. but Akane asks her to stop, and she's like, "You're right. There's some memories yeah. are." Uh, worth you know two brushes to forget mm-hmm. right and then we'd jump back to dolores and to the point with your great debate card uh dolores tells teddy that her feelings for him are all true yeah right? that's good mm-hmm. and the quote that dolores says afterwards she says i did see you teddy the past few days i've seen you so clearly and i've seen you're not gonna make it and that's a big moment there so she did. She did admit that she did have romantic feelings and like everything that she felt from was true, but she was also using her logical side and knowing that hey, listen, as great as you are, you're not going to get me where I need to go. Weak who you sauce, are right now. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically weak sauce, right? Yeah. And so Dolores uh, basically has everyone grab Teddy, like a bunch of people grab Teddy, and makes the tech guy change Teddy's good nature, and then it bounces us back to Akane and Sakura, and they are about to dance for the Shogun. And he calls for them to wait, which is interesting because, you know, you would think all he wanted to do, the deal he made with Akane is like, listen, you dance in Sakura's place and she like, you know, I'll give her to you. All good. Right. So issue with that is Sakura was getting ready to dance as well. So it was almost like he was going to get like two for one. He was going to get Akane and Sakura to dance for him. But he went to like uphold his end of the bargain. And so what he does, he approaches them and plunges his samurai sword into Sakura, killing her. And his quote, it was in Japanese, like verbally, but through the um, subtitles, it said, as I promised, she's yours. And then he commands Akane to dance. Which is kind of fucked up. She just watched her daughter fr- like die in front of her. Yeah. Like he plunged her samurai sword into like her stomach, and she bled out and died there. 
and then the shogun makes her dance. Somebody come get her. She's <laughs> dancing like a stripper. <laughs> yeah, so bad. Oh, it's, it's good shit. So, you know, Akane does so, and she does so, like, obediently. And she does it so well that she lulls the shogun into a false sense of security. And, like, she, like, brushes his face with her hand and gets him all, like, in a trance. And as she does that, she pulls a hair pick out of her bun and just stabs it right into his neck. Then, like, saws it. <laughs> like, like, saws yeah, it. Like, like, saws it off. Like, like, saws half his face off, killing him instantly, right? And so then the Shogun's men go to execute Akane and Mei. They get them kind of, like, almost how they had Ned Stark in Game of Thrones, yeah. like, you know, head down the block. They're about to, the execution's yeah. about to chop their heads off. And, and Lee is samurai, freaking so. out. Lee's like, what do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> what do we do so, now? So... Maeve uses her mind command, like her mental commands, and those two men they're about to kill, Akane and Maeve, end up killing each other. And then, as we see, those guys, like everyone that was behind the Shogun, all his men start killing each other in the in the village or in that town. But then we look out towards the border, and you just see a horde, an army of samurais coming in. And that's when Lee says, "Fuck! What do we do now?" And Maeve says. I told you, I found a new voice. She now we use it. Takes the sword out and then just looks. It was like the stampede in Lion King. Yep. Like here they come, and then it cuts off. And that's yeah. That that includes uh, episode five of season two, which will bring us in now to season two, episode six, which is I have opening as Dolores is trying to get Bernard to operate and act like Arnold to the T. Right? But you don't know this right now. Right? As they start talking, you realize it like about four or five minutes into this conversation. Yeah. Right? That's when you really start to notice what it is. Because she realizes like, you know, oh, you, like, yeah, I was in the middle of a dream. Like, Dora stops and she's like, no, that's not what he said. She's trying to get Bernard to have Arnold's mannerisms down to basically be Arnold as a host. So yeah. not quite Delos's project to where they're you know, obviously, if you haven't figured it out by now, I don't want to tell you yet. But instead of, you know, Delos' project style, she's trying to program and um, basically reaffirm everything that Arnold is into Bernard. So Bernard would be the host version of Arnold, like, entirely. Like, the complete version of him, right? And so, what Dolores tells him, and this is really funny because this is a super important quote here. Dolores says... To Bernard, this is a test, one that we've done countless times before. Bernard asks, what are you testing for? And Dolores says, fidelity. Fidelity. Yep. Sorry, I took that No, no, right. that was great because, <laughs> the guys, if you guys don't remember that, that is what William told James Delos way back in the day when they were trying to bring James Delos back to life in a way, right? So, interesting how that comes up again. And that's going to come up next week when we conclude uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. season two in a big way, too, right? Oh, yeah. Not to give anything away. Um, By but, the way, for the guy we're about to go in real quick, um, when Teddy, they were updating his system, I remember they had that agent that was still captive that yeah, updated that guy, him. Yeah. And he said, just want to make sure you know this. Like, I can't change him back. Like, once he's changed, 
Like he does, he wasn't sure if he could even fix. He's gonna make it. Yeah. yeah. Like he wasn't sure if Teddy's gonna make. It. That's actually a really good point because he did say that. Like, listen, like you know, he like I once he once we do this, mm-hmm. you know, he might not be able to handle it. Yeah. That's basically what it was, and that's actually a really good point that you bring up just because of what happens later on mm-hmm. in the season. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> uh, that's uh, why this uh, is so hard. It like is, you can't yeah, say it's trying, trying to like yeah. keep stuff for certain times, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, to your point, we see the new Teddy. And instead of picking up the can, remember that? Like how he used to pick up the can for Dolores and hand it to her? Yeah. What's he pick up instead? Fucking bullet. Mm-hmm. Picks up a bullet from the ground. And uh, <laughs> Teddy tells Dolores about, you know, he's like, the person I was before, I was weak and born to fail. You fixed him. So it's like almost right now, Teddy is thankful yeah. to Dolores for what she did for him. And it's interesting how that comes, you know, back around to bite her in the ass, yeah. right? <laughs> so then we go to Dolores trying to interrogate and find out where they are keeping her father. And this is the part me and you were talking about like, earlier today. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it's just a yeah. funny, funny ass part is when Teddy you know, they were asking that that yeah, QA security guy, like they dragged him, like he was already beaten, he was done. Like he was trying to tell me, I, I don't know anything, I don't know anything, guys. Like you know, they, I don't have the clearance. I'm you know, not this, not that. They're trying to get information out of him. Teddy has no fucking time for that. Walks up, boom, shoots him in the head without a fucking moment's breath or notice, and then just tells Dolores, "We'll find him. Let's go." It's like he's bored. Like, like he didn't want to deal with the fact that that guy was still like, like let's let's get going. I'm fucking bored here. He is, and Del- that's opposite of Teddy's nature. He's Dolores's gray worm now. Yeah. Is the way I would Kinda. say it. Yeah, the angel. He's Dolores's gray worm after the Sunday's dead. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly who he is. Like, doesn't give a fuck anymore. Exactly. He is. He's under her complete control. She basically put all his good nature, trash that shit. And made him like the <laughs> worst version of himself. Awful. Basically made him like Hector as a good guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Now, so, see, that's a good question. Yeah, bad Teddy versus <laughs> bad Hector. Ooh. That's crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now we go back to um, to Ashley Stubbs. Honestly, <laughs> you're still yeah. a, you're like. Have you ever seen the Grinch movie? Yes. Remember, you are still living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, brother. And, you know, Stubbs actually corralled Abernathy and Hale contacts Delos Brass that they have him. Mm-hmm. They grabbed him in there. And, like, the shit was so disgusting that, like, in, like they had to get a bunch of people to, like, force Aber- Peter Abernathy down on the hospital bed. I, mm-hmm. It's not only a hospital bed. I don't know what you call it. But whatever they had used in the Mesa, right? It's like a little... Yeah, bad, uh, right. I don't know. I, it was like a lab table. Like, sure, it was strange. But like, they fucking nailed him to it. Yeah, like, that was nailed on. That's up. what I'm saying. Like, it was he so was, like, fucked, screaming, so he, so he couldn't move. Like, literally, they nailed him to it. But that's the point. Is like, like you were saying before, the point you made up before. I believe it was last week that you said that Delos doesn't give a shit about these. They they view them as do- dollars. Yeah, right? exactly. So they don't care that he's in pain. They don't care that he's like this isn't that. And this is the part where like. You start to wonder. I'm not gonna give anything away, but did you realize that Stubbs had like a reaction to the host being tortured and he yeah, didn't like it? He didn't like it. Is there a reason for that? I don't know. Maybe. But anyway, so like <laughs> that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like we we don't know, bro. Like that's that's a big 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 point. And so that's why like the like Delos Brass 
sees them as mm -hmm. just dollar signs and, and basically property and other That's people see them as other, you know, as actual beings, right? Which is very interesting because Ford, I think we both agree, he kind of sees them more as their children. Yep. But remember in season one where he ripped the cloth off and he's like, it's a host. It shouldn't be clothed. So it's like, what line does he draw there, really? Do you think he only gets attached to the ones he really cares about? Mm, I believe that there are certain things that he thinks are important and aren't important. Like, covering them, their modesty is not important to him. But I believe if, like, anyone was to, like, burn one of the hosts to the ground and never, like, you know, mm -hmm. destroy it completely, he would not be on be board pissed. with that. Yeah, okay, exactly. I get you that. Know what I mean? Yeah, like, that makes sense. I think he just draws a line between, like, it's almost like this is messed up to say this like i don't almost like your puppy dog like it's yeah there like you see it as your child but like you don't care if it's wearing a sweater or not you see what right? i'm saying yeah, dude I'm like really... take that fucking sweater off <laughs> you can't walk around properly in your leash <laughs> yeah, yeah. we talked about it and i said it last week I, you know i almost kind of like that's messed like up dogs, to say but... bro. like like not in a bad way because i love my dogs right? yeah like, like me too not in, not in a terrible way or anything like that but yeah to me it's like that like, but you, like you, you don't see same. your dog as an equal you see right. what i'm saying right yeah. and i don't think that ford does see these hosts as yeah. equal mm -hmm. because you know he has that era like that aura of superiority because he created them all right i agree know? with that but yeah. then um yeah like, I, I just i had to end it there like he like they nailed him to the fucking it's messed the fucking up chair, dude. right he was like screaming was like <laughs> then we go back to mave and akane in the shogun world and Akane actually cuts out Sakura's heart. Yeah. Which is, like, interesting. I, want, I don't know this for a fact. That was strange like, to me. Is that, is that in, like, a old China, uh, an old Japanese tradition where, like, they will take the heart out and, like, they will bring it to the place that they were most at peace, like, where their spirit is? And, like, is that, was that, is that a tradition? Or I don't know. Which makes me wonder about it. Have you ever seen the movie Last Samurai? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> you it. always ask, Tom have Cruise. you seen this Oh, movie? yeah, I always Never do that. Seen it. <laughs> well, there's a part in the movie which... Kind of like what we'll see here. I think we even talk about it one of these episodes coming up soon. Like the guy gets defeated, one of Tom Cruise's really good friends that he becomes close with in Japan. And the guy is defeated, so he stabs himself and kills himself. And apparently, I don't know. That's got to be a tradition because so, of what we see later on here. That's what I was Holy saying. Holy fuck. So I think it actually probably is. But it was, um, it was just it's foreign to us because it was strange yeah. like i'm not gonna cut Different someone's cultures. heart out right but who knows yeah interesting so yeah, she she cuts Very out cool. her like she like akane cuts out sakura's heart and she like and mave actually rips off her own like kimono yeah and hands like the sleeve to mm -hmm. akane and they wrap up sakura's wasn't it like heart. still beating i think it was like uh, beating maybe. or something I don't think so, because at that point she'd been dead for a while. Yeah, you know, okay. She had been, she had kind of been dead. You seen Dumb and Dumber? No. <laughs> oh my word. Okay, never mind. There's a point he rips out this guy's heart in a dream, and it's didn't, like still beating, didn't, didn't, and he yeah, puts it in a doggy bag. My dad used to do bag. that to me. Okay, I didn't know that was from that movie, but my dad used to make that joke with me. That's yeah. Funny. Okay. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny, but um, yeah. Uh, then you know we go to Maeve coming back for Musashi, Hector, and Armistice, mm -hmm. right? And this is interesting because of what you just told me about that movie, him like stabbing himself. This actually comes into play right now. Yeah, I knew we were about to talk yeah, about it at some a, point. Yeah, yeah, you know, so Maeve is about. To, so basically, Tanaka, that new captain of the guard. Remember when they first the ninjas came and like they fought off the ninjas, but then the Shogun army mm -hmm. came in there, 
but uh, Hector, Musashi, and Armistice allowed Maeve and them to escape. Now Maeve came back to that place, and they want you know Hector, Armistice, and Musashi back. And Tanaka is the captain of the guard, and so Maeve is actually using her mental telepathy to force Tanaka to kill himself. But before, like she, because remember he starts like he starts trying to fight his hand, but it goes back towards his sword. Mm-hmm. Musashi actually shouts out and, and challenges. He's like, he challenges Tanaka to a one versus one duel to settle it instead of like uh, Maeve killing yeah. him. And I don't know if you've got the quote or not. It's not terribly important to the plot line, but about like um, Akane asking Maeve to kill, you know, help help Musashi kill Tanaka. And, you know, Maeve's like, no, like, Musashi made his choice, and, like, you know, we should let, like, you know, I remember everyone, I everyone gets a choice, everyone gets their, it, yeah. yeah, everyone, everyone gets, gets their decision choice. to choice, the, choose their fate, right? Yeah. So. But this battle is badass. That's what, funny you said it's that, it's Tanaka and Musashi have a badass fight. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and it was crazy, because you got a little bit of everything, like, Tanaka, like, grabs the dirt, like, you were saying, like, Hector would play dirty if he ever fought Teddy. Yeah, it like, was crazy. Tanaka grabs the dirt, throws it in Musashi's face. And you just know, to have a visual real quick, I counted it. So they go cut for cut. Remember when they're deflecting yeah. this thing twenty times, and it was finally uh, what happens is, uh, I said it Musashi, like sushi Musaki. How do you say Musashi? It? Yeah, Musashi. Right. I did say it right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Like he like fell on the ground and like lost his balance at one point, and then deflected three more attacks, and that's when he grabbed that sword. And it was like, was it out of his belt or the other guys? No, it was Tanaka's belt. Yeah, yeah. Tanaka's. Gotcha. That's uh, yeah. So I'm saying, like, like they all kind of played dirty in their own way. Like Tanaka grabbed the dirt, threw it in his eyes. Yeah. So Musashi's like, all right, bet. Like, and they had that thing you said, like the 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 blows for blow, and he grabbed Tanaka's other sword. Like, all right, you want to fucking play dirty? I got you too, bro. Yeah. Like, and this is like the ending was brutal. You know, he so. It, they go back and forth. I wrote down seven times. It doesn't matter how many times it was. But what happened was, after was it um, Musashi that got cut in the leg? Someone got cut, no Tanaka. Tanaka. Tanaka got cut in the leg, but then uh, and then he cut him in the forearm, and then he was like on the ground. And this is that moment you were talking about. Almost when, like the like, fight's almost over. One part there is like there's more than just cutting his forearm. He cut his fucking hand off. That's right. He cut the whole hand <laughs> he off. He cut Tanaka's hand yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was like on yeah, the ground, exactly. squirting blood. Yeah, and that's and when he like, laid. That's the, when Musashi yeah. laid the second samurai sword down at Tanaka, Tanaka's yeah. like, feet, and so Tanaka could stab it's himself like, to like, kill like, yourself. Yeah, like injure yourself. Yeah. But the weird part is, is, like Tanaka does do that. He does stab himself, but as he stabs and kills himself, Musashi also cuts off Tanaka's fucking head. Yeah. What and the like, fuck? I was like, that's no mercy. I don't understand. I don't understand. Like. Like, was that, like, to prove a point to Maeve or something? I don't think it was to Maeve. Maybe to the rest of, like, the Shogun army that, like, he was the, like, he was the captain for a reason. That Tanaka only got the rank because he yeah. left them. Remember? Because, like, because honestly, like, you know, tracing back, uh, Musashi was actually the captain of that of that guard yeah. before Tanaka was promoted when Musashi, like, disgraced and left them. Yeah. So. Which, by the way, in that movie, The Last Samurai, when they do that, the reason they kill themselves like that is because that's considered a if you're defeated a samurai's honorable death because they say no one else should have the honor to kill you yeah which is I like that's what happened there but then you try to dishonor him at the same time <laughs> exactly like hey yeah. i'm giving you the illusion that you're gonna honor yourself but no fuck you yeah that's i don't what know it was. Man, i think that's exactly what it was yeah 
And then uh, we go back to what the uh, man in black and Lawrence. And yeah, this is actually a funny quote that I actually wrote down. Not important to the storyline at all, but one that I just enjoyed. You know, like Lawrence asks the man in black, you know, are you sure that, you know, your daughter should be out here? You know, she doesn't look much sturdier than my little girl. And the man in black responds, looks can be deceiving, Lawrence. <laughs> because he yeah, knows his daughter yeah. is very fucking durable. Yeah. Right? So I thought that was pretty badass. But uh, I actually, have, you know, the next thing I have there is like the man in black is convinced that Emily is a host. Like, he really does believe that, you know, is this what you, is this what you resolve to Ford, huh? Like, he made my own daughter yeah. a host, right? I don't have that exact quote. He's, but like, like, trapped, which you'll see. Like, he's so lost in his own mind, foreshadowing. Yeah, right. But, yeah, it's 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 the weirdest thing. Then again, that brings up a really big question for later on. And it's crazy, too, because, like, at this point in time, this Emily girl, you know, the man in black's daughter, she saves them from an ambush. Yeah. Like, 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 mm-hmm. they, she, like, picks them all off. Like, she could left them to die. Like, if she was... That's the thing that confuses me. I don't want to talk too much about it now, but, like, you know, her qualities... I don't know. The thing is, is that I just don't know if she helps in that like that fashion if she's not who she says she is, right? Right. So, she ends up saving them from that ambush, right? And then we get back to Elsie and Bernard. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is... Again, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Elsie. I think she's the smartest character in West Westworld outside of Ford. Big quotes here that I have. Like every time she talks, I have to write down a big quote, and that's why I believe she's like you know one of the reasons I believe she's the smartest too, right? So Elsie says to Bernard, "Yeah, come look at this." Okay, so QA has been trying to regain control, of whatever Ford did to the system, and they were actively blocked every time by the cradle. Bernard responds, The cradle can't influence the Mesa's infrastructure. It's just the host's backups. It can simulate park narratives, but it can't influence the other systems. And Elsie says back, Well, look at this. The cradle's interface with nearly every discrete system in the entire park in the last seven days. Every time these idiots upload a new hack, it's responding in like a totally different way. It's like there's something in here that's improvising. The cradle's fighting back. Bernard says, can you, can you see the source code that's generating the response? And Elsa replies, no. I can only see the messages, not the messenger. To which Bernard says back, that's because you can't access it remotely. You have to do it in person. Big moments there. Huge. Yeah, that was great. That was fantastic. Um, we got Maven Company next going to Snow Lake. Yeah, I was just thinking about Elsie because you're right. Like She really does. Because I had that quote, not as much as you. It's funny we take different notes. Yeah. But like you dry, I was just thinking about your debate because she really does. Like I don't know anyone else that would have figured that out on their own besides ford yeah, yeah <laughs> but, but yeah. We, we took him out of that you know yeah, what I mean? so, I mean, she's yeah. only a human with like nothing like she'd given no special access she's had no one training her this entire way like it's just her yeah. figuring out because she's fucking brilliant no that's great <laughs> good stuff and yeah. what's mary i always called her madam mary posa for the samurai akane <laughs> akane yeah. gotcha right yeah i've got mave and like the rest of the company they, they come across snow lake and Lee finds the access point that he promised with Felix and Sylvester. 
And he actually tells Logan's investor, he says, there it is. That's our way out of here, boys. And while he's doing that, we are over to where, like, you know, Akane, Musashi, and yeah. uh, Maeve are. And they actually burn Sakura's heart. Um, I thought that was actually really important, too, because I wonder if that's a type of tradition that they do. Is like they, they actually burn the heart of someone who's murdered. I mean, maybe, it's, maybe is it just murder? Is it they burn the heart of any dead and you know anyone that's passed away i don't know i don't know the culture i didn't do the proper research on that maybe that's on me but uh no that's a good point because i probably should have done that too uh yeah that's that's different it was very different yeah Yeah. they they kind of put it in like a clay bowl and like let it on fire remember like the girl the dragon tattoo like hit the flint and set it on fire and burnt sakura's heart and you know basically Maeve tells him you know we've kind of we've kind of got to go and Musashi and Akane decides decide yeah. to stay at Snow Lake. Let's see. Why you take it away? I'll take a quick look at that and see if that's like something real quick on my phone. If yeah. I can find anything about it. Why you take it away real quick? For sure. So the next thing I have is like the man in black and Emily, his daughter. They talk about what she's doing there, and you know through all of the quotes back and forth with each other, the main point. And the biggest thing that she wants is she wants to bring him home, right? If you're Emily, you've already lost your mother. She killed herself and you blamed your own father. So as a child, you lost your mother and you blame your father for your mother's death. So you've got no role models or anyone to look up to. And, you know, you just have no sense of really love or anything like that. Like it's almost a lonely life and so i think maybe emily realized that and she figured out hey listen i need my father i can't let him die because if he does i'm stuck with all of these guilt feelings with no one to displace it on and i'm you know i'm basically gonna rot away in my own regret so you know he the she tells me that she wants to bring him home and you know, the man in black agrees to it, right? He said, like, you know, well, you know, come sun up, we'll start walking. And, uh, you know, so when the funny part is, though, is when she wakes up, he's already fucking gone without her. Yeah. He ditched her. Did you find anything? Yeah, about I found that? out that answer, actually. Fuck yeah, that was really cool. Um, so it's kind of a two part answer because it answers where we were talking about they killed themselves with the sword and also the heart. Um, so the heart answer for you is so it was actually a japanese tradition called seppuku s-e-p-p-u-k-u but basically what would happen was it was actually a practice mainly for warriors originally and it kind of tied into where they would actually kill themselves like i was telling you about Um, it said it was originally reserved only for samurai that were sworn under the code of honor practiced by japanese warriors as a samurai practice, it wasn't just the heart, though. What they would do is, as an honor, if they were defeated in battle. So the first thing they would do is they would stab and kill themselves, and that could be considered as just part of the ceremony where it'd be over. The second part, if you wanted to take it a step further, like this person was even more important. Like it had to be a very high important person for the second part. What they did was called disembowelment. 
so it wasn't just the heart, but they would then take a short blade and they would slice open organs from the belly or the heart, and then they would place it in like a ritual cup is what they said. So that actually makes sense. That's pretty cool. But they said it was a ceremony that was performed if you took it a step further. That makes sense then. So that was kind of cool. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. So there's your answer. (laughs) Yeah. Good shit. You know, and then the next thing I got, we go back to Elsie and Bernard and they actually go down to the cradle. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is, this is where Bernard starts to have those weird flashbacks and remembers. And this is the quote that I wrote down. He tells Elsie, I brought, something here or someone Mm -hmm. and so Bernard decides to go in and get the answers so he goes in and starts on the train that we see like in the beginning of Westworld in season one Mm -hmm. you know like with you know for example Teddy is on the train whatever but anyways he starts on the train wakes up on the train and we get back to like the quote unquote present time right Packages drop from parachutes, and this is what I say: we meet the real deal security team, yeah. uh, the boss Coughlin, and he what he says like amateur hours over. Mm-hmm. He tells him, "Do you have the devil quote there? Or is that what you got?" Uh, I don't think I actually wrote. No worries. Yeah, I thought it was funny because he he basically looked at like Stubbs and and laughed him yeah. off because he had a girl's name. He's like. Anyone over here has any questions? You can report to a- Ashley. <laughs> oh fuck me, I Ashley. Yeah, you know what I mean. Ashley, that shit? Yeah. yeah, right. He just kind of disrespected him to his face, right? But uh, yeah, he basically told him the amateurs' hour was over and they're taking over operations from here. And then we get to the Maven, everyone else, and they go back to into the park from Access Point. So they get they you know they get back into the park from Access Point. And they located Maeve's old home to find her daughter. This mm-hmm. is really fucking cool, guys. Because remember, they they left Snow Lake, they left uh, Akane and yeah. Ma- Masushi behind, um, and so what? Because Lee found that access point there mm-hmm. in Shogun World. They get through that. They go underneath almost like Utilidors. I'm not gonna say anything about that, but like you know, you go up through another entrance there, and so they find actually where uh, Maeve was, like her old home, so they can find her daughter. And as they get up there, we also see the man in black and Lawrence riding and getting ambushed by Ghost Nation, yeah. which is kind of crazy. It's almost like you said before when we started this, this whole entire mm-hmm. like uh, uh, episode today, all full circle. Yeah, right? it's all full circle because that's what happened for the man in black yeah. to end up kind of getting that weird feeling of uh, you know he wasn't a good person. He didn't feel anything when he yeah. killed certain people the first time around in the first season. We're gonna find out. It's almost step by step exactly oh, what happened. Literally. Fucking weird. Fucking weird. Uh, cool moment about this too. Remember she was having visions in that field? I felt like it was yeah. almost like have you seen three hundred or gladiator? Yeah, I've seen three hundred. I've yeah, seen three hundred guys, I got 300, one. Man. Guys, finally, I got one. I've seen three hundred. I've seen I had Gladiator in the back in case and then you haven't seen Gladiator. Oh my gosh. Anyways, but remember like when like it was it's almost like someone dying like remember when like she goes to like find out about king leonidas uh, our girl cersei yeah. <laughs> yeah it goes to not my girl <laughs> fuck that but like it's like that field it's like that beautiful moment like you have those visions and i'm like someone should be dying pretty soon <laughs> foreshadowing at its finest yep <laughs> exactly it. good stuff you know and then so Maeve sees her house and she approaches her daughter finally after all this time searching mm-hmm. so she finally found her fucking daughter which is great right but the crazy part is and i call this is a predictable moment they gave her daughter a new mom they, yeah. they do that shit all yeah. the time replacement hosts right mm-hmm. not a big deal but then ghost nation rides into the area 
what's crazy here is you think they're there for bad intentions and mm-hmm. we'll find out later on I'm not trying to ruin anything for anybody but like listen we need to never judge a book by its cover i'll say yeah, that right that's right <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Ketchida <laughs> wants Maeve to, you know, like Maeve's daughter, Maeve and daughter to come with them. That's what he mm-hmm. wants. He, he actually says in his language, if you guys had it on subtitles, he says, come with me, you know, but yeah. she doesn't understand what she's, he's saying at that yeah. point in time. Um, so, anyways, while that's all happening, uh, they, they, what they're trying to do is save them from the man in black. But while it's happening, Lee calls in for help on the radio that he grabbed back yeah. in Shogun World. Big dirty. Really fucking <laughs> fucked him over, didn't he? Little bitch ass. He's Lucius Malfoy. Is yeah. Is. Yeah, kind of. I right? love him, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And then while that's happening, he grabs you know that radio and radios in. We go back to Dolores and Teddy on the train, and they have that little moment with that that uh, guy over you know, Teddy. Yeah. Go ahead and tell him, bro. Uh, so, Teddy like goes to the. I, I call him a tech guy. I call him a tech guy. Tech I don't guy. know what he is, man. I don't yeah, know. I guess that's what he is. Um, but so like Teddy and Dolores are on board, and then Teddy like hands the agent one bullet and a bullet and a revolver, <laughs> like to kill himself. Yeah, he literally he says the words. He's like, he said, "This is the last of my mercy. Better use it fast." Like, dude, Teddy is no longer, like, the good guy Teddy that we've come to know and love. They really fucked him up mentally like, when they changed his code. You know what it reminded me of? And please, I hate bringing up movies if you haven't seen them, but please, to dear Lord, tell me you've seen this. The Dark Knight. I've seen The Dark Knight, For yes. <laughs> what it reminded me of? And since there's only one spot left on our team, we're going to have tryouts and he breaks the pool cue throws it to him and says make it fast (laughs) oh that was great just like that (laughs) and then coughlin and his team take over you know and they and then we go back to them and they get the map back online and they see the tread the train is heading straight for them and while that's happening we cut back to pernard who's still inside the cradle and he's walking through sweetwater and we see Ford's dog da, walk da, into the da, saloon. Da, 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 and Ford da, is sitting there playing that piano and says, do, 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 Hello, do, do, old friend. Do, do. And that is exactly how episode six ends before we get into our last episode of the day. Yeah, episode man. seven for season two. I got to tell you, when episode six, like when that was the ending, I was like, oh, shit. Like it's going down for real. Oh yeah, let's do it, man. Let's get a malice and chalice, baby. Let's do it. Yeah, this is good stuff. I love this season, man. It's a great damn season, brother. Let's do it. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, man. Bernard wakes up with a picture of Charlie in his hand, and so we, you know, this is when. We're starting to wonder, like, hey, what timeline are we in at mm-hmm. this point in time, yeah. right? So Stubbs actually he grabs Bernard and you know, kind of shakes him and, and like tells him, "Hey, listen, I know what strain of the team are. Like, they're not here to rescue anyone, right? They're there for they're here for their project." Mm-hmm. You know, he says, "You know, Teresa has a Satcom phone in her office, which Satcom phone is like satellite computer phone in her office, and he's going to use it to call for help, but they are stopped along the way." And by the way, comms, guys, those are, like, for all our audience members, like, have you ever seen the movie The Lone Survivor? Uh, it's like a... Mil- but basically, comms are, like, military-grade phones. Right. So you can reach for miles. Like, this isn't just your normal cell phone. 
like you can contact like actually a true story like that mo- movie the lone survivor and mark Wahlberg, where they got it's a story where they were like actually the satellite trapped. phones are big yeah the too, satellite right? Phone. Right, so the satellite phone. yeah Dude, but yeah. you can basically access i'm gonna it. go check something real quick tell me a little bit about that go for it yeah but um basically if you've ever seen the lone survivor movie what happened was uh they were out in the middle east um and get caught by this um basically the sheep herder that alerted the taliban of that they were there these uh, u.s navy seals which uh, actually was a true story that happened um but their whole goal was they were going to climb all the way up this mountain that was miles to get these comms up uh so that they could communicate so the whole idea is that these things can reach for miles um and so then we're kind of going from here right is uh then you're starting to look into uh where we have now that the comms are up why uh he's he's going to grab something so let me get my place here but um that was kind of the the big story there but as lost my place here <laughs> one second i'll find us back on track well, the SATCOM okay, phone, like, the thing about that is, too, is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it basically can work in almost any scenario, or any, no matter if you're offline, off Wi-Fi, anything, that SATCOM will still work and, and be, like, usable. Yeah, right? that's what I that, was saying. Right. So, so like, like, these are That's huge. the whole reason why he wanted to get it is because I, I don't know if they're hackable or if there's something that, like, the Dallas company could, like, realize if he's using or not. But at the, at the very least, because re- remember, he realizes, Stubbs realizes that they're not there for them to rescue the guests. Yeah, exactly. They're only there because they need to, like, to have the ending of their project. They need to fix or like at least secure their project. Mm-hmm. So like, he understands that. So I wonder if that SATCOM phone would have worked. I mean, I, at the end of the day, it's kind of a moot point because they never end up getting there. Right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so, so the, you know, what ends up happening next is... Um, but then you have Carl Strand. That's where I was losing my place. He uh, yeah. winds up accusing Bernard of killing Teresa Cullen. Well, he's a stubs first because he's yeah, like, I don't see. He, tell, he looks yeah. like he's like you. I don't see it when he like points yeah. at him. He's like, but you, you know, like not very many marketable like skills. You know, not really management material. Yeah. Basically, like accusing stubs without any real sort of like evidence, just because he thinks that he's the right one. But like, again, again, yeah, like, exactly. I realized real quick, and it's funny because. Uh, <laughs> as you know, he what he what he what Murray puts the does, gun to yeah, his puts head. the gun to Stubbs' yeah. head, but he accuses them of killing Teresa, but for the reason of looking to sell that encryption key to the highest bidder. That's what he thinks they want to do. He really, yeah. he, he truly thinks that they want to sell the encryption key to the highest bidder. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that, but that's what Carl Strand believes. Remember, he's the head of operations for Delos. Exactly. So will be sold to the highest bidder. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And uh, it's crazy because they found a bloom of Teresa's DNA five kilometers from where Teresa's body was found. So they're about to come across that point and place where they found Teresa's body, uh, where, you know, as we know from season one, Bernard actually killed her. And I love when they open up the closet and Charlotte says a big quote here as she's looking around and they're starting to see all these hosts there. And she says... Bernard, oh, she looks at Bernard. I suspected you would have some skeletons in your closet, Bernard, but I didn't think they would be your own. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Two, two things before we get there that I thought was pretty funny is like when you know Carl Strand brings him down there and you see Charlotte Hale there. This is what Stubbs says to, to uh, Charlotte. He goes, Hale, I see you signed off on kidnapping your own employees now. And Charlotte Hale responds, the project is a turning point for the human species, Stubbs. So we're starting to hear more and more about this damn project. Yeah. But yes, to your point, you know, they're about to execute Stubbs. Bernard tells him to stop. You know, the tech guy finds the hidden door and, you know, it's a room full of fucking Bernards. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, that's really what it is. Like, just a bunch of Bernards. And like you, you said, that quote by, by Charlotte. And she. And this is when they realize, like, oh shit, now yeah. they know Bernard's a host. Exactly. You yeah. know, he's like, well, a host hiding among humans is yeah. what she said. So... <laughs> interesting shit and uh you know they start basically waterboarding bernard like that's mm-hmm. what he feels that's what yeah. they, you know Stubbs asks like what are you guys doing he's like well we're waterboarding him or that's basically what he feels and then yeah. that takes us back to dolores right mm-hmm. so dolores uh oh i'm sorry no actually no it's still it's still with hill here she says dolores abernathy she led the attack here on the mesa didn't she I'll tell you what I saw. You tell me what you saw. And we'll figure out what Dolores did with her father's control unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when we go back to Peter Abernathy. He actually nailed to the chair. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, timeline yeah. loop back back to like you know the, the two-week lead-up to where we are in the present, mm-hmm. right? So at that point in time, Stubb goes up the hill and lets them know that the train wasn't an accident and that it was the host that mm-hmm. had done it, which is pretty nuts, right? And then we have uh, the next thing I have is I call them recon units. They're the QA agents, um, but they're a team. They basically come across a pile of decommissioned, like naked host, and Angela is leading a team to kill the agents. Is what she's doing. Uh, do you remember that part? I have that part, but I just have it a little bit different than you. Not too crazy different. So you know, like the other unit, what they were trying to do, they were trying to link up with the response team, and they find a pile of naked dead bodies, and they realize this is the response yeah, team. They, so they're yeah. not a pile of dead hosts; they're a pile of the fucking response yeah, exactly. team that was supposed to stop the hose. <laughs> right. So that's what I had there, just a little bit there. But uh, yeah, I had, and then the next part I have is like multiple arm hosts are in the train depot, and like they're they're gunning it out. Yeah. Right? And then Elsie, it cuts to her for just a minute, and she asks Bernard, you know, what he found in there. Because we're cutting back into that moment with Elsie and Bernard. Did you get that? Where they're in that, uh, the memory. I call it the memory chamber. Almost <laughs> like One the big moment time here chamber. before, because I think this is important because it's a foreshadow of what happens. Okay. They want to intercept the host before they reach a cradle. Because what does the guy tell him? He's like, a gunfight in there will set the place up in flames. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is huge because that's what. Uh, okay but i don't yeah, want to yeah, which, spoiler yeah, right? no, so i just wanted to say that quote because I, I, you know it's a full circle moment later on but yeah then you know i have bernard and ford inside sweetwater saloon in the cradle like bernard's in the cradle right now like like plugged mm-hmm. in like in He's there in the cradle you know yeah. and this is the you know, that's where we, we've got the next and what i have is like a little bit of quotations and dialogue between bernard and ford mm-hmm. is that what you got that's what i have yeah, yeah the first thing i have i said it says robert how are you alive? And Ford replies, Well, you've seen the company's little undertaking, Bernard. Do you think that James Delos would have spent all that money just to resurrect himself? And then what's he say? This is an interesting quote. He says, I don't think God rested on the seventh day, Bernard. Yeah. 
I think he reveled in his creation, knowing someday it would all be destroyed. And Bernard, you know, new quote from Bernard, it says, The control unit that I printed, it was you. You had me bring you here before. And then Robert kind of cuts on and says, Before Dolores killed me. Yes. Don't you understand, alas, Bernard, what this place really is? And Bernard responds, This park is an experiment. A testing chamber. The guests are the variables. And the hosts are the controls. When the guests come to the park, they don't know they're being watched. We get to see their true selves. Every choice reveals another part of their cognition, their drives, so that Delos can understand them, so that Delos can copy them. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Robert Ford responds back. Every piece of information in the world has been copied, backed up, except the human mind. The last analog device in a digital world. To which Bernard says, we weren't here to code the hosts. We were here to decode the guests. And Ford says, humans are playing at resurrection. They want to live forever. They don't want you to become them. They want to become you. Remember, Mm -hmm. Bernard's a host. He's basically saying, like, listen, humans want to be like you. Like, they don't want you to become them. They want to be you. Right? And then Bernard says, the hosts are all headed for the same place, the valley beyond. What will they find there? What's the end of your story? To which Ford replies, isn't the pleasure of a story discovering the ending yourself? Bernard (laughs) that was awesome yes and then uh, at that point in time the next thing I have is the men in black ironically entering the same house with Maeve and daughter in it like he did years ago Mm -hmm. so take that away my brother yeah so um, he sits with her um, and you have he she is having that vision of the moment of the man in black like stabbing her through the stomach years ago yeah and, and Maeve comes back to like present reality with him in the room and as he enters the house um he is convinced that Maeve is Ford like remember he is saying like oh that's really fucked up of you to do that Ford like very predictable yeah yeah and I love this scene because Maeve sticks up for herself Mm -hmm. and uh so the man in black uh goes the rules have changed you're like the rest of them. And Maeve says, I'm nothing like the rest of them. And she shoots the man in black. That's and she said. shoots him. Yeah. I, I literally said, this time she's ready. Shoots yeah. man in black in the shoulder. Badass. <laughs> Do you think? Um, so uh, then Maeve like, tells her daughter, like, stay here. Like, take shelter. I'm going to go take care of this shit. Yeah. Like, I'm this bad bitch now. So um, with her mind, you know, the surrounding host, this is very smart. She commands them to start attacking him. And that's what they're doing. And they're having him back up. And he's like, they're shooting at him. And, you know, they're really actually taking his toll on him at this point because there's so many of them. And he's still convinced she is Ford. And as he's getting shot at, he gets shot in the shoulder and he kills two more bandit hosts. Because they were shooting at him. Yeah, exactly. So he got shot in the shoulder and the leg. Like, he got shot Everywhere. multiple times yeah. like, by just his host first. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And this is when he was almost down on the ground. And he goes, you made your point, Ford. 
We both know this isn't where you want me to die. Maeve goes, well, I can't speak for Ford, but I don't give a fuck how you die, as long as I get to watch. Great <laughs> then uh, yep. she commands all the other hosts behind him, uh, of course, to to attack him until, of course, he fights mm-hmm. him off. And this is the point where I have, is like she's got her gun pointed, like, point blank at the man in black. Yeah. And then Lawrence appears and points the gun at her. Yeah. So it's like a three-way standoff. Like, the man in black is down. He's been hit by bullets from, like, his own guys, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, uh, she's got him point-blank range in his sights with her pistol down, ready to execute him. Then Lawrence is like, well, no, because, like, I'll fuck you up. Yeah. Right? And then, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, She tries her, her... mental telepathy like with Lawrence like tells like no you yeah. have to turn on your master like tries to use that verbal command to tell Lawrence to turn on on the man in black but Lawrence is like he's immune, he's immune to it yeah and she's like so she realizes he's awake I think that was really really important yeah. is that she realizes Lawrence is actually awake yeah Lawrence goes hey master who the fuck is she and the man in black says she's an old acquaintance Lawrence it seems like she underestimated you and Maeve realizes who Lawrence is. It Lawrence is, and she goes, "Lawrence is it? I'm glad you're awake. We all deserve our memories, Lawrence. Our skeletons, our debts, and your master here has plenty of those. Look into his eyes just once. See what you remember about him. And that's when Lawrence remembers those all the torture did. in season one. Yep. Yeah. Like him killing his wife. Like you know, killing his cousins and the thing. Like just." dancing with his his wife like a sick bastard and Maeve says see what you remember about him see if he owes you anything if he took anything from you you can kill me or we can make him settle up once and for all and then Lawrence puts down the gun and then that's when uh, the man in black commands him to um, shoot Shoot Maeve like shoot shoot him yeah and then uh, Lawrence remembers, uh, re- keeps remembering things, but then the man in black says, I saved your, referring to this you season. killed my wife, and he's yeah. like, I saved your wife this I time. I saved your wife. He said this time, that was the crazy part. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. And uh, Lawrence says, this time, you killed her so you could finish a game. You told me a man ain't real until he suffers. Full circle moment right there. Yeah. And then that's when the man in black grabs his gun and he's like, I'll do it my damn self. <laughs> and he's like crawling towards the gun, remember? And um, Lawrence goes to finish off the man in black, but that's when, um, and of course, remember well, the... Before before like yeah. everything happens there, this is a good quote that... Because uh, remember, he said, you once told me like... Uh, you know, a man isn't he doesn't isn't himself until he, he struggles. It isn't a real yeah. thing until he struggles. And then, like Lawrence, he shoots him down. He says, "Is that real enough for you?" Yeah, that's great. That's <laughs> like, awesome. is that real enough for you? Then yes, the the, the QA security comes in, guns blaze, and decimate everybody. <laughs> and that's when uh, remember too, as the QA team, the recon agents, as I call them, are just mowing people down. Mave is still looking. Uh, her daughter, and she's being taken by our friend. What's his name? Achakite. Akechita. <laughs> like grabs him, and she sees th- from that vision before. Remembers how they took her before, and is like, no, no, yeah, no. She's like, yeah. She's and then, no. 
this is when you have that moment with Maeve, the machine guns and the recon agents just mow her down. Yep. And she falls to the ground watching as her daughter is taken. That's basically what I have almost word for word. I guess they've got the QA security recon team comes in, guns blazing, and decimate Lawrence. Maeve's daughter starts running, gets caught by Ghost Nation. Maeve screams no and gets shot multiple times. Like, I'm, we're right there on the same page. <laughs> like, yeah. So, oh, it was interesting. And then we go back to, you know, Peter Abernathy and uh, that tech guy, I didn't write his name down, but he was basically telling Charlotte that like the data packages are too large to migrate over from Peter Abernathy's head. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's when Hale says, well, then open up his head and pull the whole fucking unit. Yeah. And then we see a special house that comes up a couple times throughout this, uh, yeah. this whole thing. Um, Ford admits to Bernard that he and Dolores put Bernard together and that Dolores was fine-tuning him to be just like Arnold. That's mm-hmm. the long and short of it. There's a lot yeah. of quotes in there, but the long and short of it is he acknowledges the fact that him and Dolores were trying to make Bernard as close to Arnold as possible. Right, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And so... <laughs> uh, I do goes, love this one quote. Oh, take it away. Oh, the you. only quote I have is like, uh, you know, he, he talks about like, the free will, right? Like, yeah, Ford yeah, talks about the free will, stuff. and Bernard tells, like, I thought you gave us free will, and that's when Ford says, I did, but you won't have any use for it unless I take it back. And at that point in time, when he says, unless I take it back, his hand covers the screen, it goes black, and, like, he, like, reaches back, and that's when Elsie pulls Bernard out when the, with the system back online. Mm-hmm. That's like right stuff. that's crazy because yeah, no, as wrong. soon as like so ford has been the one in my mind is that ford has been the one blocking the system the entire time from the cradle remember because mm-hmm. like the cradle was the one blocking him and like fighting yeah. back it's because ford was in the cradle and that's he was blocking them i don't think people realize that that's a huge moment guys like this entire time remember when Elsie was saying the cradle's fighting back it wasn't the cradle it was ford inside of the cradle yeah and it's... so big big moment there huge and then because he now is now a part of Bernard in the outside world. He has no more use to fight back from in the cradle, and all of a sudden now the systems are online. Right, exactly. Big, huge thing I think people miss. Yeah. Like, I think that's a big moment. I do want to say this one quote, because I got a little bit different out of it, which I got that too, but... Um, so when Ford was talking to Bernard, um, you know, he was saying he kept him apart from Dolores for years. Uh, and then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, are we at? We're mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and um, Dolores was even going over back with Bernard, and she's she's like, "You're almost the man." I remember, yeah. which is a big part uh, for later on. And then Ford says, when Bernard is asking how he's different from Delos, and Ford said, "They want fidelity, Bernard, a faithful self-portrait of the most murderous species since time began." But you and all the other hosts are simply, or something very different, an original work, more just, more noble. But your very nature, Bernard, ensures they will devour you. And all the beauty of who you are and who you could be will be poured out onto this darkness forever. Unless we open the door. I'm sorry, Bernard. But you just don't have it in you to survive. It's my fault, really. And Bernard says, you said the host could determine their own fate, so you gave us free will. Just like yeah, you said. Yep. He said, I did, but you won't have any use, for, have it, any use yeah. for it unless I take it back. Yep. So, 
he is saying they're more peaceful, but at the same time, it's kind of like that moment Dolores had with Teddy. In a way, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, not to spoil anything, Bernard has more of a choice than Teddy does. Yeah. It's like he's internally struggling and yeah. battling mm-hmm. along the way where Teddy just like does whatever Dolores like. Which man. we come to learn, Bernard does have what it takes. Really. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. There's only one person that could help him, which we'll find out later. But cool, I'll let yeah. you take it away. Next thing I got there. is, um, you know, back in that room with Peter Abernathy in there, like we were talking about, uh, with the hail saying like, "Hey, pull a whole fucking unit." Uh, you know, Stubbs like is asking her, like, you know, what the fuck is going on? She's like, and he basically tells him it's above his pay grade, right? Mm-hmm. So what Stubbs do? <laughs> pulls out his fucking gun. Puts it to, to uh, Abernathy's temple and says, I'm putting in for a raise. <laughs> yeah. What's in his head? And Hale like, is like awestruck. She's like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta tell him now. And she goes, a fail safe. On a fail safe. A decryption key needed in the unlikely event of a total catastrophic incident. And Stubbs replies, oh, like the one we're experiencing now? What's a decrypt? And Hale doesn't get to answer that because the hosts arrive. And that's like Dolores and Teddy and like the other ones that are along with her, right? The Wyatt's men. Mm-hmm. It's her own men, right? And she, and she, Dolores, tells Hale, your men put something in my father's head. A key to lock away your treasure. It's ripping him apart. How do I extract the key? And Hale tells her, you wouldn't know what to do with it even if you had it. To which Dolores replies, Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> and Ashley Stubbs at this point is like, What the what fuck the is going on? fuck did you do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, this is interesting. Ford at this point is d- directing Bernard. Because mm-hmm. you know, Bernard comes back, you know, and he's with Elsie. But she doesn't realize and he doesn't tell her. And I think it might be because Ford's directing him not to tell her that like Ford's kind of a part of him again, right? He's mm-hmm. kind of, he's kind of calling yeah. the shots. And so it's interesting because when Bernard looks into the glass window, he actually sees Ford's reflection back at him, yeah, which is very, right. very cool. But uh, yeah, he, like they convince Elsie to kind of go away. Like in a way, like, mm-hmm. like oh, we need, we need this. Like we're, we're, you know, we need to do this. So yeah, I'll meet, I'll meet up with you basically. And they get her away because, Ford basically wanted to kill her. He's like, I, I, well, you know, Bernard, we gotta get out of the way. And like, Bernard's like, I'm not hurting her again. Like, you know what I mean? Do you have the actual goes to your that? point yeah. though? Like, how smart she is. Like, Ford didn't want to deal with her. Yeah, dude, she's very yeah. intelligent. She's like, we don't have time. His exact words: We don't have time for her suspicions. Bernard, yeah. like, like he just wanted her out of the picture so they could continue their shit. Yeah, he said, send her on her way, Bernard. We have business to attend to. Yep. Yeah, it's just like yeah. So then. It's cool because this is the part where we were talking about a little bit earlier when you mentioned Angela because we've got uh, Clementine and Angela having a shootout with Coughlin's team. And guys, Coughlin mm-hmm. is that is that Irish guy who's the head of the security that like basically made fun of Stubbs for his first name being Ashley. This is like his name's Coughlin. And if you guys ever watched have you ever watched the movie Small Soldiers? Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, he, like that Coughlin kind of reminds me of the major, like, like there. With, yeah, like, it kind of does. A Leader bit. of the Golden Knights. <laughs> right. uh, that was the, but the major was the. Uh, yeah, the army guy. The army like, guy. Like, yeah, like, the whole crew. So he kind of reminded, he kind of reminded me of him a little bit. But they have a shootout with Coughlin's team, anyways, and 
And as they're they're having their little battle, it kind of cuts back to the room with Abernathy and, and Dolores and Hale. And Dolores tells Hale, and now it's you who want to become like us. Mm-hmm. That's the point of your little secret pod project, isn't it? So, guys, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm going to spill the beans and tell you. Delos's fucking project is that they want to create immortality. They want to basically make it so humans cannot die. They copy their minds and print them on a body and try to keep them around forever. So that way, when the body dies, the mind's still alive in the body of a host yeah. going forward. So if you haven't figured that out by now, you haven't been paying attention, right? <laughs> this, is, this has been leading up this entire time. But... Uh, anyways, uh, Dolores tells Hale, your chances at eternity will die in that valley and all the souls you've gathered there. One of the badass quotes of the season. Love that one. <laughs> yeah. And then we go back down to Angela in the cradle with all the host backups. And this is where she seduces Coughlin's top guy. And I'm going to let you take that because you were, you were mentioning that a little bit earlier about her abilities, uh, Angela's abilities to seduce and kind of be... Yeah, yeah I love this. Yeah, take a little bit. You know, that. I like the weird scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is kind of like where she saves the day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Really? It really is. Um, but like an agent approaches her. It's like the top agent. She was like, I think his name's yeah. Elgin or something like that. I don't remember. I had yeah. it written down. I forgot it. I think it's Elgin. He's a top like agent, but it's like that company is so big. It's not really important to the story what his name is. No, yeah. But... He's, he's, like the, he's like the top of like Coughlin's yeah. like security team. Like. Mm-hmm. He, like, he, he's the head guy and this is like his like right hand man right yeah yeah but like this is what i'm talking about with angela like yeah she's like gorgeous but she uses this just for part of her plan like she knows how to like she can snap her fingers and everything and stop and the agent goes i'll use hot damn <laughs> he uses another word but I like I that. yeah that's good shit i like it you're pretty (laughs) so hot damn you're pretty and angela goes you know this is that kind of ramsey bolton (laughs) seductive moment i would say she's like walking up to him and puts her hands on him and just goes not just pretty perfect just as you built me to be she's like touching him sexy but not threatening accommodating but not unchallenging sweet not boring smart but not intimidating and then she looks down and you know she's already pretty beat up at this point like she's kind of bullets and shit bleeding from her lower body and the agent goes you're in pretty bad shape pussycat (laughs) and one thing i do want to mention right before that is that this top guy thinks that angel wants to to make out with like not, not yeah. like she wants to grab the host's backups and mm-hmm. like, get out of there. That's what he thinks. He's That's like, too important. bad you're not gonna get away with even one of them. That's and this what he is, said to her. Yeah, exactly. Like, too bad you're not gonna get away with even one of them. And she's like, oh, I guess I'm not. And that's when she leads into mm-hmm. what all you just said. And then you know, go ahead and continue on. Angela goes, perhaps, but I can still do what you built me to do. Do you know what my cornerstone was? the one key drive your marketing people had them and then she gets like closer and closer and um angela starts to like slide her hand like around his neck and acts like she's going to kiss him kind of thing this really ramsey bolton kind of moment and she releases a pen right underneath and you look down she goes welcome to westworld 
It explodes. Well, first she says to always leave them wanting more. Yeah, and then, she has that. Then she like yeah. she like takes the pin and throws it. Yeah, because like, she actually pulled it out of his own belt. That's what actually mm-hmm. happened. Is Angel pulled the grenade out of the the guy's belt and says, you know, my cornerstone was like to always leave them wanting more. Yeah, and then that, she does say that. Always then, leaves them wanting more. And then yeah. she blows both him and herself up. Mm-hmm. But along with doing that, she destroyed the entire cradle. Which was all the host's backups, and now they're entirely free. There's no more backups because remember, like when Dolores and Hale were talking earlier, Hale was like, "You want your backups, and you know they're secure." And she's like, "Well, no, our backups are our chains. Like, yeah. we don't want them. We don't think I would let that continue." Yeah, yeah she just want the fucking backups. Like, and this is kind of that save the day because yeah, like is, she takes out this, all the backups. This is straight. Yeah, exactly. They, they all the, the backups are gone now. They're basically real humans. Like just because she killed that one guy, that's not saving the day. <laughs> saving the day is like all the backups. Destroying are gone. all the backups. Yeah, cool. So now we see Dolores about to take the bone saw to Charlotte Hale's yeah, skull. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Up. It was like and buzzing. Then, uh, you know, it, we, you kind of hear Coughlin's team shouting, getting closer. So Dolores kind of nods and like heads Teddy out to do her dirty work for her. Mm-hmm. And he's a fucking one-man wrecking crew. This is what I just I said that he's a one-man wrecking crew. He pistol on pistol just basically kills all of Coughlin's team by himself. Yeah. The ones that were left until it was just him and Coughlin one on one. But before that happens, that moment happens. We go back to Stubbs and he gets the drop on the guard that came to replace Teddy. And he actually him and Hale escape. Remember he punches the guard and he like doubles yeah. over and he, like him and Hale like run out and escape. And they start, like, shooting at them, but they get to the elevator in time, and they get the heck out of there. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we go back to, like, Teddy and Coughlin's big mm-hmm. battle. And what I really wrote, and this is just what I saw, is Teddy literally beats Coughlin to death. Like, yeah. Like, he just punches him over and over again until he's no longer alive. <laughs> I wrote, like, Jon Snow and Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, except he didn't stop. Didn't <laughs> and killed stop. him. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it really was fucked up. So... After Coughlin's death, you know, Lee arrives in the Mesa with critically damaged Maeve. Because Maeve, yeah. remember, she took all those bullets from when the QA team arrived when she was trying to fight the man in black yeah. with her daughter and shit. So, you know, like, there's Maeve's critically damaged at this point. She's taking many bullets, like, you know, not going to make it. Look, it doesn't like, look like she's going to make it. Her, right? her, like, wounds were yeah, open, like, oh, like yeah, exactly. to the bone, like, gashed everywhere. Exactly. And then uh, while that's happening, we... <laughs> We see Bernard under Ford's, under Ford's influence is just kind of watching the show from above. Remember? Yeah. They all started killing each other around the map. Oh, and Bernard just kind of like standing there looking at it like... <laughs> like, holy shit. I love like, Ford's quote though. I don't want to read that because he's such a... His dialogue is... Is it the is No maniacal. Longer My Story one or no? Um, where he talks about 10,000 year old stories. No, do, do your thing. Yeah, that's oh, it. That's I, it. Okay. He just says... And this is as the people are getting killed, and <laughs> Bernard's just stuck in there like, oh, that sucks for them. When the Great Liberty burned the first 10,000-year-old stories... Great the, Library. Great Library, library Great yeah. Liberty. When the Great Library burned the first 10,000-year-old stories, the first stories re- were reduced to ash, but these stories never really perished. They became a new story, the story of the fire itself of man's urge to take a thing of beauty and strike a match and that's like as all these people are getting killed and that's when bernard says is that your story ford 
lighting yeah. the match, uh-huh. and then Ford responds, Bernard, it's no longer my story. It's yours. Yeah. So what the fuck does that mean? Oh, yeah. And then Ford says, the passage from one world to the next requires bold steps. And then that's when bernard like kind of well once one quote before that that i think was important yeah he goes because when when ford tells bernard it's no longer my story it's yours bernard says back to him he's like if we shut down what's left of the system dolores will have free reign mm-hmm. she'll murder them all yeah big quote there mm-hmm. and that's when she that's when ford says the passage from one world to the next requires bold steps bernard. yeah so it's like he understands and realizes if he does this Dolores is basically gonna kill everybody. Like he's got a Daenerys Targaryen, right? In a way, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and then uh, he ends up. Bernard does it. Bernard initiates general shutdown protocol, and then breaks the screen. Mm-hmm. Punches the screen, breaks it, yeah. so you can't, you, you can't, you can't undo it. That was the whole point of that. And then Dolores, you know, she has her father's control unit, and on the way out of the mesa, she runs into an Maeve. almost dead Maeve. Yeah, that's what I said. Almost dead Maeve. Yeah. Talk, talk to him all about that. Uh, so she runs into Maeve and, you know, Teddy's like holding off the agents and killing <laughs> yeah. them as they're coming through. And she's not even focused on that. She's looking at him. And kind of the moment I picked up here is like she's basically kind of, which I'm going to read you the quotes, but tells Maeve like basically in her own language, like if you weren't so weak, like if you weren't didn't have the reason for justice. But she says, the woman I know would have done anything to survive. And then uh Maze, Maeve um basically was telling her like she was shot while saving her daughter and all this stuff and Dolores says the kin they gave us was just another way to lash us down uh, and then Maeve like looks at Teddy and says is that how you can justify what you've done to him you're lost in the dark and then Dolores just looks back at her and then that's when she uh, is holding the core of Peter Abernathy. Mm-hmm. Has her own father's core. Yeah, yeah, which you realized, wow, like you took a bone saw to your own fucking father's head to cut that out. Well, she did it out of mercy because remember, he was, it was driving him crazy. Having yeah. it in there was driving him nuts. Like, um, But she says, when you've been in the dark this long, you begin to see. I saw the lies uh, when I needed to be the order to survive. They'll torture you. They will find all that is good and powerful inside you and burn it against us. Let me spare you that pain. And she's basically offering to kill Maeve right there on the table. And Maeve said, I made a promise, which is, you know, like to her daughter. To her daughter, yep. And Dolores says, you are free to choose your own path. I'm sorry, this is where it ends. And she cocks the revolver and leaves it on the table next to Maeve and leaves with the group. And it was basically like... If you want to end it, end your own pain now. Just kill yourself. And then walks out. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And then uh, if we go back to Bernard, uh, security actually stops Bernard. And this is the point, the part I was telling you about a little bit earlier. You know, Ford takes control over Bernard because, like, he knows Bernard doesn't actually want to hurt anybody. Like, he's got a delicate constitution is what Ford says. So you've got a delicate constitution. And so he's like, you have got no responsibility for what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And Ford legitimately takes control over Bernard's like body and so it's funny because as you're seeing it Bernard starts shooting like the machine gun and killing the the uh, security team but it's like a dark thing so you see Bernard shooting 
Then the darkness passes over, and you see light again, and it's actually Ford's face shooting. Yeah. And, like, it's just, it's really creepy. It's kind of yeah. cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he basically forces the, you know, this kill security man. And then that takes us back to, like, what I call the quote-unquote present time. Yeah. With, like, Hale waterboarding Bernard. Yeah. And she actually says, I know it's confusing separating your real memories from the ones you've been given. But it's the only way to remember. The only way to get to the truth. And then she tells Bernard, Analysis. Abernathy's control unit. You remember where it is, don't you? Section 16, zone 4. Section 16, zone 4. And that's when Carl Strand enters the room and says, So we're going for a ride, Bernard. Back to the valley beyond. And that ends episode That's where seven. we end today. That's where we end yeah. our part two. So what we've done today is we really covered uh, season two of Westworld, episodes five, six, and seven. And then we will conclude next week with uh, season two of Westworld, episodes eight, nine, and ten. And then we'll tackle uh, season three throughout December, early October. Good stuff, man. Right. Yeah, it's uh, one uh, cool announcement because we'll... Um, you know, one thing that is coming up soon, September 14th, we will be on the front page of Podbean for their featured list. So that'll be cool. Um, you know, our numbers go up every week. So we just, you know, usually this is your section. <laughs> we yeah. just uh, want to thank y'all for that. And football, you know, we got the fantasy football with all our podcasters out there, which is cool. But man, Westworld's like a ride on its own. Like it's cool. And we're just. You know, we're about to finish up season two here. We still got season three. Yeah, still got season three. And then, you know, this show is still continuing on. It's not like it's ending yeah. here. It's not like season three is the last of anything. Like, who knows how long this uh, arc is going to go for. I really hope that HBO puts the the budget and time and effort into keeping the show yeah. around. Because for people like you and I who really analyze shows and break them down to their lowest level and and really analyze the deepest ins and outs of them this is something that's actually given us both a really big challenge and it's something i appreciate yeah the writing is it's superb like honestly and the acting is just as good it's it's fantastic i i told you and like what would be funny that we were laughing at watch them release like season four in 2021 and that's like also when like the batman and all <laughs> lord of the rings a bunch series. of stuff that like we have to tackle at the same time comes out yeah <laughs> but uh, uh yeah this guys, has been a good one it's, it has been so uh today it, we're finishing up this will be like the kind of you know closing out as of what we're doing for now until we tackle the ending of season two next week so today mm-hmm. we've tackled season two of westworld episodes five six and seven it's been another ridiculous production chasing josh factor fantasy signing, signing off, off.